Get it going. It's time to get up. And the game is over. The Vancouver Canucks have lost five games in a row. All of us wants to win, and I hate losing. Longtime loyal fans of Canucks, they're telling me they're turning off the game in the third period. I've never seen it before. There's just no hope. These guys are here to break it all down. I've heard some rumblings about Yulevi, but I don't know if that's true. But I have heard Gaudet and Vertanen's names out there, yes. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Seaball, man, why so angry Controversial. This is the starting lineup with James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is Tuesday, February 9th, and it actually feels like winter out there this morning. James Zabalski here, Perry Solkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. We are the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, even when they've lost five straight. Sportsnet 650. Dunbar Lumber text line 650 650. At Sportsnet 650 is where you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram as well. Get those submissions in for your Canucks in a song. We'll hit the music coming up in just a few minutes. But, Pear, I will say this. Kind of wake up this morning going, man, it is cold out there. And then you quickly realize across the rest of the country, it's like, you know what? I'm just going to shut the hell up right now. Yeah, I went deep into the closet yesterday and pulled out a, a little bit of a heater just down in our kitchen area where we just said, yeah, you know what? It's a little bit chilly here, so let's just warm things up. Uh, yeah, this is the time of year when you uh, – because it wasn't bad yesterday afternoon I was out. It's the time of year where you you have to look on Twitter or, or touch base with others. I called mom and kicking around at 98. I said, hey, I hear you in a deep fish. She goes, that's 33. I go, no, 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 like minus. She goes, I've just decided now I don't even look at the minuses. So she goes, it's 33. I go, well, okay. It, t- it took you 90 years to figure that out, but that maybe is the way to go with it. Yeah, it is. And I tell you what, on a Tuesday morning after Canuck loss, I'm fine and I'm comfortable, and I think it's because I have lowered expectations. Didn't expect them to win yesterday, so watch them compete hard, see them lose, and go, nah, I'm okay. I'm okay with the Canucks effort. And I just wonder if the fan base is like that right now too. Apathy, man. You heard that yeah. clip from that caller last night on the post-game show with walks and sat, and that's a dangerous thing. It's one thing to have, and, and man, or, or is this just this whole fan base going through the five stages of grief right now? And the concern is when acceptance sets in, right? Just to accept that, you know what, this team sucks, right? That sort of feeling well, that you do not want that. I mean, that is that is death in a market, right? That sort of feeling that you just do not believe in this team anymore. And I think people are starting to come to that conclusion. Pair, they played 16 games. 16 games they've played this season, and they've already had one streak of losing five of six, and they followed that up with a five-game losing streak. Think about that. You've just bookend two streaks in where you essentially lost a total of 10 games. And you've only played 16. <laughs> well, settling for those kind of results is something that the desperate, you know, I understand it from a fan base. If it's crept inside that room, that's when you're done, right? They're accepting losing. I don't think they are. I did like the compete. But Murph will join us at 8 o'clock, and I think before they dropped the puck, and James, you were probably part of it too, I think we all thought, and this was before the Travis Hammond signing, which to me is going, okay, there's your guy to fit in and replace Chris Tanev that it could be a couple steps back to take a step forward next year. And now it seems like we're in the middle of it. So I'm not completely alarmed, but it, it's tough when it happens because you still have those expectations. 
And I won't take what we saw out east in this road trip, losing to Montreal, Toronto, who to me are by far the two best teams in Canada. I, I am going to, and I know you were of the same before they left. I'm judging a whole bunch starting Thursday. Okay, can you compete with Calgary? Can you can you win one more than Calgary when you play them in four? Then you got Winnipeg coming. Show me you can compete because that really is the competition to see if you can get in. And then I, I might still believe in you, but if you come and Calgary rolls over your wins three of, of four, then you're in trouble. But I like what I saw. You just need to do that for 60 minutes. You're not good enough just to go out and win. You got to work hard, and they still have the mental lapses in that 11 seconds band. Well, and that's it, right? <laughs> it's it's 11 seconds. 11 seconds. The difference in the game last night, and and it's unfortunate because the Canucks played. They played really well. You know, at least at least particularly for the first 40 minutes, they were they were good. They were the much much better team. The way they were in their own end, the way they created scoring chances. You know, it, re- it reminded me of. When I first kind of broke into the business, I don't know how many people will remember this, but those early years of the Ottawa Senators expansion team in the 90s, like they were awful. This is a team that actually got caught like outwardly trying to to tank, right? <laughs> like just basically mm-hmm. we are done. Like we are just in it to lose. And and they finally started kind of getting some pieces. You know, they had drafted Alex Dague and Alexei Yashin, but man, I would go to the rink in those those days in the mid 90s and they would outshoot the opposition. You know, 19-4, 17-5, 16-3, and yet every time at the end of that first period of play, they'd be down one nothing or 2-1. And that's just the makings of a team that's just not there yet, Pear. But they work. And that's where, I, to me, last night, they haven't given up on this coach yet. They haven't given up on this coaching staff. The fact that they still showed up and they fought. I like the call going with Braden Holpe last night. I liked his response. I thought he was solid out there last night. You know, unfortunately, he didn't steal them the game, but I, I like the way he played. You know, that whole team you kind know, of stepped up last night, Pear. I thought Justin Bailey was good. Uh, Travis Green said that's probably the best game Ole Levy has played in a Canucks uniform. Thought him watching from up top probably is, is, was needed. Then he comes down. Uh, coach was excited to have a couple practices as they jumped on the plane last night and know they don't have to do it until Thursday. You know, you go back to the Senators. There's once a time when you judge an NHL team and we – Remember through the days of the rebuild of the Canucks going, okay, are, when are people leaving the seats? You know, there's not, not, are they playing meaningful games in March or people sitting down with 10 minutes left? Are they in it? And I think everyone appreciates the compete. My goodness. I think the best forward in this entire trip and this entire swoon of losing games has been Niels Hoaglander. Hoaglander has been incredible to me. This kid just keeps on bouncing up, bouncing up, took the, the puck in the face and he just, he's coming back there with the gash and he's still working hard. I think you have to feed off that. I thought Petey was better. And you don't just go because of the goal. It's not made like a nice defensive play where there was some desperation there. So, um, yeah, you know, unfortunately, you play the game, you don't get another couple of points, and you go, okay, the streak continues. But it's not like the Edmontons and the Calgarys have, have jumped away from them. They've played a lot of hockey, and you get to make it back up because those are the teams that you are going to be playing for the rest of the year. But are we just satisfied, Jane, because – Oh, you know what? They're not that good. As long as they keep it close, I'm okay with it. We'll find out. You touched on something in the outset, how it was conceivable that this team could take a step back. And and man, like I remember we had those conversations, Perrin. We had those conversations a bunch. And it was conceivable. But it didn't mean it was acceptable, right? 
And I think that's no. clearly the line in the sand that taking a step back was not going to be okay. This team was pushing forward, and if it wasn't, you know, heads will roll. At least it certainly feels that way. Now, when heads roll eventually, it's hard to say, but, you know, Jim Benning certainly feels like dead man walking right now. Right? Like Jim Benning, it's hard to see him being back no matter how things kind of play out. Like I, I mean, I can't imagine this team suddenly going on a 30-game win streak, but I can't see Jim Benning being back next year. I actually think that, I mean, it depends when they pull out of this. I mean, will they just, will we look back as an awful start? But I do think there's a possibility that even if this team squeaks into the postseason, that conversation is had. Or you, you bring someone else in, because I wonder, and we've talked about it before, is there a little bit of a mistrust in the money that will be available to be spent on Jim, who can find people and talent, but maybe spending and how to get it done, maybe the mishap with Toffoli, uh, you know, shines on him. And, and that said, I'm still the mindset that I never would have thought Hoaglander is a legitimate top six guy. I think mm-hmm. he is. Mm-hmm. And if he can score a little bit, like you go, okay, Toffoli for four, or Hoaglander's being there. Uh, you know, and get it done. Text line hopping right now. Kristen Langley, whole guy that has a solid game, noticeable all over the ice, even after the pike, puck of the fence, best player on the ice. Yeah, so there's the guy that fills in for Toffoli, which saved you four million a year. So almost different ways D, to look right? at it, but yeah, yeah, almost split the D. Had a nice play, and then and then there's Jordy Ben, who in a contract year has. How about the start to the year for Jordy Ben? Exposed J.T. Miller to COVID. Mm-hmm. And then split open Hoaglander's face there in the opening period. It's like, just stay away from your teammates, man. Uh, here's Travis Green last night on uh, his assessment from the game. Uh, kind of close, but no cigar. We've been talking to our team about, you know, there's a certain identity that we want to have, um, that we think we are. And we've had open dialogue with our group about what kind of team we think we need to be. You know, it's one thing to say it. you got to go out and do it. And I thought this was uh, one of our better efforts of the year. And, and not just better efforts, but it looked more like the team that we want to be. Step in the right direction, Pear. That's at least the message from, from the coach. And I don't think there's anything. There, there's no point in the messaging last night to kind of beat the guys down, right? You got an effort from that team, at least a positive one. Unfortunately, you just didn't get the result you were looking for. <laughs> Yeah, and I just don't know how long you can play the old step in the right direction when you've played 16 games, but there's still an awful lot of hockey left, and if you believe the product you put on the ice last night will be good enough to to beat your Edmontons and your Winnipegs and your Calgary, then you believe. I, I think Travis Green is still of the mindset. If the Vancouver Canucks in front of him play the game they're capable of, then he's quite comfortable with his team being good enough to get into a postseason position. I, I still... I'm not going to say there were some passengers, but there's still some big players uh, who have to deliver more. thought the captain really was, you know, played harder, as did everybody else. But you're the captain of this team. I mean, at, at least they were hitting some people yesterday, right? They they were going to make the Toronto Maple Leafs play. Sheldon Keefe afterwards kind of suggested, hey, you know what? They were the better team, and maybe they were misfortunate not to get it done. And you look, except for that 11 seconds, I think the Leafs coach is right. But how much did Toronto go, well, gosh, we got to sweep them in the series, and they have enough skill and put it in the back of the net, and they, they do get exactly what they thought they would. Here's Quinn Hughes on his assessment that uh, still hurts despite a step in the right direction. You know, I think I've been okay defensively. You know, you check all their goals, and 
say probably a handful, you know, you can, you can look at me and, you know, obviously I don't like being a minus. I want to be a plus player, but you know, we're also six and 10 right now. So that that's probably going to happen. And, you know, tonight, like I said, the third goal is really unfortunate. Well, he was uh, Quinn Hughes last night, minus one. He now leads the uh, NHL for the quest for the green jacket. If you were trying to play at Augusta right now, Quinn Hughes is atop the leaderboard at minus 13 right now this season. You know, he also alluded last night that, um, I don't know if it was the first real admission, but that, hey, look, we lost some guys last year and, and, and we missed them. Yeah, uh, leads the NHL in assists. And shots on goal, but like you said, he also leads the NHL in plus minus. Uh, it's been a struggle for Quinn Hughes too. And listen, there's he could come onto the ice and do whatever he wanted with Chris Tanev. And Jordy Ben is a different type of player. And they assume Quinn Hughes would be with Travis Hamonick, who we still don't know what the situation is and when and if he well, gets back into this and, lineup. But, and pair, look at yeah. look at Hughes last night having the puck taken right from behind the net, right? You know, the difference in that third goal, that the puck goes into the Canucks zone, Hughes picks it up, and he's, you know, pickpocket and boom, gone, back of the net, and just like that, 11 seconds after, you know, Matthew scores that goal, you're looking at Jay Beagle going, come on, man. You're looking for your veterans to step up, and you're like, God, 11 seconds, <laughs> just an absolute cave-in. My initial reaction listening to the postgame yesterday from Quinn Hughes was, I don't know if we're ever going to hear this kid say, I made a massive mistake. Okay, and maybe that's the mindset of a young, talented star like that. You know, you can hear be better, but certainly if we listen, we just played the clips, but his post game was more positive than I thought. You know what, Quinn? No, man. Like, you're exactly right. Pickpocket. Fire it around the wall. Don't think you can beat everybody, but how often do we hear the Jovos and the, the BXs who are regulars on this station go, you know why they're great players? is because they've got so much confidence that you have to put up with some of that risk. And so Quinn Hughes kind of in a casual manner thinking I'll be okay and they're not taking the puck away from me, bang, it's in the back of the net, and that's the killer, right? Down by one after the mistake by Beagle, you go, okay, lost the draw, didn't go, you lose your man, Austin Matthews makes you pay. But then Quinn Hughes, I listen, the word casual in Quinn Hughes, that's just how he plays, and it's spectacular sometimes. But I do think sometimes it has come back to bite him. I just was surprised that there wasn't more me, me. You know what? I, I thought I played really well except for the third. Well, no. Guess what? When you're a defenseman, when you're Jalen Chatfield and you make that glaring mistake, we're on the rookie. Like, you're not supposed to be that guy anymore. But that's what you get with Quinn Hughes. Uh, if, whatever whatever the case, um, we saw that's a Leafs team. You know, even John Tavares, who I thought maybe has lost a step, he still caught up with Quinn Hughes at one point in the first period on the four check. You know, Terry and Richmond and on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Guys, wake up. The Leafs were awful last night. They took a night off think that lowly of the Canucks they just didn't show up and they still won there's no reason for optimism and you know that that's one thing that the Leafs they didn't play well and they still found a way to win and and I think this kind of ends the the sort of narrative in the discussion right now pair as to which core would you rather have the Leafs core or the Canucks I mean this isn't even close like this isn't even oh. close with what the Leafs have, and I feel like this was a conversation. I, I had this debate from time to time with Canucks fans, but this is not, and this is not to be a hater. Like this is just the cold hard facts, right? I mean, it's not well, even close. If you took the best four players that we just saw in the opposition for the last three games and the best four players for the Vancouver Canucks, it's not even close. It's the opposition. It's the dreaded Leafs by a mile. 
Well, the Leafs are, have spent so much money on the superstars and too much in my mind, but those guys are at least performing. It, it's not like you look at the Leafs in the press box and see all this money up there. No. And the, and the bit part players they've added in a Thornton who's hurt and a Simmons who hurt aren't guys who are coming in for two or $3 million. Like, my goodness, could you afford a Jay Beagle on the Leafs right now? No, you can't afford him on the Canucks, oh but you gosh. have him. So, yeah, I, you're, you're right. You know, two or three years ago, you looked at it. You know, you go back to Shanahan's in here, Linden's in here. All right, okay, this is actually going to be an interesting race. What are they going to do? What are we going to do? Um, now, albeit Toronto back in, you know, 2010 to 2013 was nowhere to be found near the top of the NHL circles. So the Canucks, although not winning a Stanley Cup championship, found their way to a Stanley Cup and were a better team from 20, uh, from 2010 to 2015 while Toronto struggled. So you get some top picks that come that way. But, um, yeah, right now there's no comparison. And I, I don't think Terry and Richmond is that far off. I think when you've beaten a team twice, you kind of expect it. And we saw it two weeks ago with Ottawa here that you're likely going to win, even though they play better, the Canucks got the goals at the opportune time. I think there was some similarity to that. Um, but the Canucks are a better hockey team in Ottawa when they play that way. But you make mental mistakes against talented teams. You pay the price, and that was last night. So what now? What are the options for the Vancouver Canucks? Uh, Elliot Friedman was on our sister station, uh, Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary. Uh, he did allude to this on the broadcast last night as well, but mentioned that there are a few names that are possibly being dangled out there on the trade market by the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, here's what Elliot had to say, but to, uh, they were all being auditioned last night. Jake Vertanen, Adam Gaudet, Ole Olevi. Here's Elliot. I've heard some rumors about Yulevi, but I don't know if that's true. But I have heard Gaudet and Vertanen's names out there, yes. Okay. I mean, those guys aren't playing a ton. Um, you know, Vertanen, I, I think we can just see that it's getting to the end there. Uh, Gaudet, I think, would like a bigger role. And I, I would be very curious to see what uh, Gaudet's marketability is, trade value. So there's Elliot yesterday. I'll tell you what, Vertanen had a nightmare of a shift at one point that ultimately led to a Roussel penalty. Oh. Vertanen with a horrible giveaway. It was basically saying, man, I don't want to leave Vancouver just yet. And the Yolevi conversation pair, I'll say this, man. Like I understand where you're coming from. I understand what a lot of people were saying on the postgame show last night as well. But we're talking about giving a guy a fifth overall draft pick from five years ago. The fifth overall selection. And we're patting him on the back for having a solid game for playing 12 minutes. 12 minutes! Like, hey, you know what? You'll let me. That might be his best game in the NHL. He played 12 minutes, and he was a fifth overall pick. What has happened to this market? Right? Gotta, like, where? Like, is that where it's come to? That we're giving somebody a high five for playing 12 minutes who was a fifth overall pick? Good grief. Got to start somewhere. Jesse Pugliarvi, <laughs> a guy who now looks like a legitimate NHLer, took a long time to get there. Uh, I liked Adam Gaudet's game yesterday. Jake was unfortunately a guy who wasn't going to push it. It is interesting, and, and Jake DeBrusque's name is, is kind of one that may be out there. But I, I, you're not getting anything for Jake for Tannen straight up. Not not any Sam Bennett. No, they're not giving you Sam Bennett Maybe for Jake. Maybe a pick, but no. What's what's that? No, you need more. Yeah. Jake Jake's yeah. 18 goals from last year. That's that's age in history. He's shown nothing that he can get back there as far as this year. And sometimes, as you said, that shift yesterday. You go, man, like how's anybody jumping on that? But size, speed, and hands, he can do it. But I do think what you give up for Jake, you don't help your lineup. But what if you package Jake and Adam Goddard? 
there you've got two young players that could be a big part of something. I don't know why I would do it, but you think if Jim Benning is having that conversation, he's getting some interest coming back. I think you're still trying to figure out what is Adam Gaudet, right? He's he's yeah. offered very little. You know, you saw ten games in the playoffs from Gaudet, and he gave you not a single point. And you got what? What has he done so far offensively this year as well? In in limited minutes and limited uh, limited games, but he hasn't offered a whole lot. There were some whispers about the idea of a Jake DeBrusque sort of move. Uh, you know, you'd have to move money to make it match. You know, Jake and Gaudet combined together make three and a half million. Um, you know, DeBrusque's cap hit is 3.7, so the dollars would be pretty similar to do something like that. I just don't know if Boston wants the appetite for that. But and nevertheless, uh, we'll get into it all morning long. Todd Bertuzzi is going to join us just after 7 o'clock. We'll get Big Bert's thoughts on uh, when it just feels like the sky is always falling. But what do you say we kick off some music? Let's see where people's mindsets are at, Pair, this morning as we play a little Canucks in a song. Do you want to kick off the party this morning, or is it more of a doom and gloom sort of party? What do you got for us? I had some doom and gloom. I was uh, I was looking at Desperado yesterday. Think, ah, you know what, and I'll listen. I, heard, ah, I just think, man, that's... That's low. I'm not going to go there. Some people texting in going, I don't even want to play it because I don't want negativity. I don't think I'm negative. I went old, old school because I'm going, oh, who sings this again? And I thought it was Queen. It's not. Uh, but take it for what they need or what they had. But my Canucks in a song from yesterday, you showed a little bit. You need a whole lot more. Go with the classic from Rod Stewart. A little bit of passion. In the bars and the cat. On the alleys, a lot of pretending. Passion. Everybody's searching. Passion. They're searching for the passion. They've been pretending they've had passion. They had a fair bit of it. Need more of it. That's my connection to songs. One. I like it. Uh, I like it. I like where you're going. A little more passion. The given ish meter was certainly turned up last night for me this morning. Pair. I'm going real old school. Like, not Mozart and Beethoven, but I'm going old school to what was considered one of the first rock and roll songs ever. I'm going with the Dominoes. And this team put in a strong effort last night. Almost a full, complete game minus 11 seconds. And that's why I'm going with the Dominoes and 60 Minute Man. 60 Minute Man. Now, if you want to read between the lines, he's probably talking about another sort of 60-minute performance, but yes. you get my point that you got to play Who knew full the dominoes 60. were that edgy back then? <laughs> <laughs> now, come tell me, like, did you Google that? Had you ever heard of that? I've never heard of that. Oh, song. no, I've heard, I've, I've heard, I've heard that song. Uh, and then when I, and I decided, you know, it's funny because then when I'm going through Canucks in a song and the kids are still up in the house uh, or even Brent is kind of puttering around and is like looking at me like, what the hell are you listening to? It's almost like what is going through your mind right now, right? So, uh, yeah. Yes. It's well. Man, think about baby. It's cold outside, right? There's a 75 year old song that basically everybody's kind of gone times up on with this. Oh, what's this guy talking? What's in this drink? And I don't know. 60 minute man. That that song just screams showing up in some like just B budget movie, right? <laughs> with some kids, and he's he's going into the room, and then that classic would show up. That's 
Uh, that's a solid find by you. Well done. Uh, okay, here's a couple other ones. Uh, Steven this morning, he's going with this submission. Uh, it's an oldie and a goodie during a losing streak. It's a little tub-thumping chumbawamba. Well, you know, that is that is the true Canuck loyalist when you're, uh, when you're thinking that mindset uh, right there. How about uh, Mike suggesting a little Bobby Bear? I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. Pear, the good news is they are coming home after going 1-5 on a six-game roadie. And I tell you, you, you could just sense it in the voice of Travis Green saying, you know what, it's going to be good to jump on the plane go home. I, and I didn't look. It was late. But he says, I don't know when the last time we had two days off were. And you know what? You have to think about it. It has been a long time for this hockey team. We haven't talked about it this week. And I think we've kind of stayed away from it. They have played so much hockey with no rest and playing poorly, minimal practices. You're right, man. Going home, a good call on the Canucks in the song because they are happy to be coming home. Phil echoing a similar sentiment with a little Spirit of the West, home for a rest. You have to excuse me, I'm not in my best. I've been gone for a month, I've been drunk since I left. And these alcohol vacations will soon be my death. I'm so sick from a drink, I need home for a rest. Oh, yeah, wait for Yeah, we're waiting for them at home as Calgary for a four-game set. I'll tell you what, though, Pear, this, the way the schedule shapes up, you got four against Calgary, obviously massive, but then it's Calgary, the Oilers, and the Jets consecutively for the next 10 games. Right now, that looks like your mushy middle. If you're trying to push in for a playoff spot, I think you can probably at this point say Toronto's going to be there, Montreal's going to be there. Now who else is going to be part of that mix? Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, those are the teams that if you want to try to figure out, are you in it or are you not? This is where you got to take care of business here. And I, I think everyone's gone, well, look at their winning percentage and all that. The Canucks got the lowest percentage, winning percentage because of the games. But I think if you can win these series that you have against Calgary and Edmonton Winnipeg coming up, I think we have to realize that as tough as this North Division, Gore Downey Division is, like just over 500 is probably good enough to get you into the postseason because no one's coming in and sweeping everybody. We just saw it with Montreal Toronto. Maybe that's the case more often than not for those two teams. But you can't tell me that everybody else is going to run. You can't run ahead from a team when you're playing them as often as you are. So I do think a little over 500 is likely good enough to find you in a top four spot. You know, Edmonton's in fourth place right now. They are exactly a 500 hockey team. And I think that's where teams are going to hover. So you're right. Just win each one of these series. Don't have to dominate them. But make sure you win these series for the next three weeks and you're back in everything. All right, it is uh, 27 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Tuesday morning. Canucks uh, back on the ice on Thursday at Rogers Arena against the Flames. Uh, hey, how about the rumblings that Elliot Friedman sharing that Roberto Luongo could be a possible name as a future Bobby. managerial candidate? Yeah, we'll get into that with a little Seaball says in a moment. Scott also texting in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. LOL, it's cold, he says. Yeah, I see the temperature out there in Cowtown. You got locked in here on your home of the Canucks where it's baby it's cold outside on Sportsnet 650 he may not be right but he says it with confidence anyway I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen 
Ball says on Sportsnet 650. 6.33 here on this Tuesday morning. Sabalski and Solkowski uh, kicking it with you. Minus three right now. Todd Bertuzzi will join us uh, just after 7 o'clock. And pair on the uh, latest edition of the 31 Thoughts podcast, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick discussed one doozy of a name as a possible managerial candidate here in Vancouver, and that's Roberto Luongo. Vancouver's going through all this craziness right now. They're at a real tough point. And, you know, I saw Luongo, and, and I thought Doug Armstrong went out of his way to say, this is not about goalies. This is about a guy who knows players and is pretty smart. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, you know, we've talked to Luongo before. He pays attention. He watches games. He knows what's going on. He understands the league as a player. I think that someday he is going to be, if he wants to be, He's going to run a hockey operation department in this league. So one of the reasons I suggest him is because he knows the heat. He's seen the best of that market. He has seen the worst of that market. He has benefited from the best of that market, and he's been hammered by the worst of that market. If he goes in there, he understands. So to me, it's not win the press conference or go for PR hits. It's because... I think it's someday he has a chance to be a really good leader of a hockey operations department. And he goes in there with the advantage of understanding the market if he's their person. Roberto Luongo. That's right. Bingo, bango, bongo. His name is Roberto Luongo. Roberto Luongo. Say what? Excuse me? A baking powder? I mean, my first thought, when it comes to the idea of the greatest goaltender in Canucks franchise history running the hockey club is... Hated it. I just can't stand this idea. Not right now, anyways. I mean, first, I don't have any sense he'd want to work in a market that he already wanted out of before, right? Second... The franchise was just crippled with a $3 million salary recapture that effectively cost the Canucks a shot at keeping, oh, I don't know, Jacob Markstrom, maybe Chris Tanev. Hey, how about Tyler Toffoli? There's that name again, pair. And that won't clear itself until the summer of 2022. Third, the Canucks don't need a rookie GM. They need a closer right now. Now, Luongo is clearly viewed as management material based on being named to Hockey Canada's Olympic management team. And he might prove to be another Steve Iserman, Joe Sackick, or even Seabass Cam Neely at some point. But the Canucks are nearing a window to contend at some point, and experience counts. Someone to seal the deal. Not somebody to cut their teeth. Not a rookie. Let's face it. Luongo deserves to be recognized for his work here. He deserves to have his number retired or, worst-case scenario, ring of honor 100%. But some hard feelings need to heal here first. His retirement was an abrupt reminder that Bobby Lou's contract really, really, really... My contract sucks. Yeah, thanks, Bob. That's the case. So the idea of Roberto Luongo coming here as management... Hey, it's a romantic idea, but let's keep the romance for Valentine's Day next weekend, and we'll leave it at that. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. 
Shout out to Terry and Langley who said, Luongo, why not? We're still paying him. He's on our cap. Um, <laughs> that may be the only logical point. Listen, I, you know, and Elliot was, was spitballing there. I completely agree with you. When you think of a Sackick, when you think of an Iserman, uh, those guys played the role of assistant GM, were out scouting, were around it, and you know, Roberto Luongo, just like, you know, Eddie Jovanoski when he joins us and, and all our guys, hey, they're still in touch with what's going on with hockey. And I do think Luongo, who just built himself a big dream house in Parkland, Florida, um, is quite content to hang out in Florida right now, watch his family grow. Will there be a time? Does he keep his hand in it? Yes. Do the Canucks at some point look around and go, that would be a nice fit? I think like most organizations, you know, Stevie Eisenman in Detroit, you left the Stanley Cup winner because, well, your heart's in Detroit. And maybe Roberto's part of his heart is in this organization. But no, to make that move, it's fun for you to write a C-ball says. But if Roberto Luongo was ever announced as a GM in Vancouver in the next year or two, man, I just think people would look back and go, what the heck are they doing on the West Coast now? Now, if he's one of two people involved, with another one being a big hockey mind that's been in the trenches right now, I'll go, okay, that works. Roberto can talk to the people, and we'll have another hockey man. But Jacqueline's made a decision when Trevor Linden parted ways that they'll just go with Jim Benning, essentially, as the face. I think it should be a two-man operation, but I don't think Roberto Luongo should be a part of it. Well, I mean, technically, the Canucks seem to have a, a two-man operation or even a three-man when you've got, you know, John Weisbrod, you've got, you know, Chris Gear as well. I mean, it's not it's not all Jim Benning here that's doing it, but yeah, if you're looking in a different direction, look, here's the one thing that always stood out for me, pair, with especially with Steve Eiserman when it comes to doing the work. Eiserman, I Eiserman mean, played and he was a superstar in the National Hockey League and he's a Hall of Famer and he won Stanley Cups and he made a lot of money during his playing days, right? But when he finished and he was serious about getting into management, what always stood out to me was seeing Steve Eiserman in a half-empty barn in Mora, Sweden, in rural Sweden at Christmas time, there for the World Juniors to scout. Right? I mean, that is a significant trip to go away from the family over the holiday season and to nowhere sexy or nowhere fancy, and no disrespect to the residents of Mora. But the fact is that showed me right then and there. It's like, this guy's this guy wants it, right? You know, I think mm-hmm. Brett Hull got a gig, and, and he kind of took in a, to, as an executive and lasted, what, about 15 minutes of the, the length of a, of a venti-sized cup of compassion over there. But he all of a sudden was done because it's too much work. And I think a lot of guys look at it. You got Luongo might be that guy. He might have the temperament. He might have the, all the knowledge. But you got to show that you want it, right? I don't know if the I don't know if that's there yet, right? I don't know if I don't know is Bobby Lou that guy who, you know, who wants to settle down, be close to the family in Florida? Like, you know, is that a guy who would want to work here? I doubt it. I doubt no, it. No, I listen. I I think he he's expressed obviously to the Panthers I have an interest and all right, all of a sudden you've got a goaltending executive committee that he he heads up and then obviously you know, gets the, gets the nod from Team Canada. Like, yeah, listen, that'd be a great honor. I just have to watch the games right now and, and give you my opinion. That's great. So I do think he's hovering around. He's circling to one day go, you know what? Yeah, I, I want to be the guy. I want to have my hand on a hockey team. It's, it's not in 2021, and I don't think it's with the Vancouver Canucks at this point. 
Will he? As Elliot said, I think if he wants to, he will. But I just don't think the time is right. It's more of a fantasy. Hey, what do the Canucks need? I just, if all of a sudden Jim Benning's gone and Roberto Luongo's the guy in charge, you're going the wrong way. I mean, you can say all you want about about Jim Benning and how this team is in seven years, but you have to hire someone that has some hockey experience in a front office, not just someone who you debate uh, retired jersey, not retired jersey. It doesn't work that way. Hey, you may as well start a Sedin conversation then. They're already here in Vancouver. They have pretty good hockey minds. They just don't seem to have the interest right now. They've kind of never said never, but, you know, you, you wonder. Bobby Lou, that's more fun than I think realistic for Vancouver Canucks. For sure. Um, let's go back to the Dunbar Lumber text line just to change gears here for a second pair at 650-650. Uh, a lot of people uh, all over uh, Jay Beagle, and obviously, understandably so, deadlocked at one last night, loses the draw to Austin Matthews, and then and then loses his defensive assignment, goes chasing and leaves Matthews wide open at point-blank range and just hammers it past for the goal, the game winner. But, you know, Bobby in Vancouver texting in, guys, where's Beagle? What veteran leadership? What Stanley Cup experience? He is and had been a huge bust like Roussel and Schaller. Why isn't McEwen playing? Maybe the whole management and coaching staff needs to be sacked. Bring in Gallant. Toughen us up. Thanks for the entertainment as usual. Uh, Gervin and Langley, same sort of thing. These role players, uh, i.e. Beagle, etc., should be brought in when you know you can go for a cup at a bargain price, i.e. the Maroons, Thornton, Perry, all in the $1 million range, not $3 million. I, I would say the problem with the team in that situation pair was they needed they needed to be tougher to play against. Like they didn't have any players two years ago. You know, you outside you you had the promise of Hughes and you had the promise of Pedersen, but there really wasn't anything else in the cupboards at the time. Timing is everything, right? It was good mm-hmm. for Tyler Myers when there wasn't a whole lot of free agent defensemen, right-handed shots, and it was good for Jay Beagle. You just won a Stanley Cup. You finished your contract. You've got the superstars on that team, and you were the grinder. And the Canucks go, wow, we could use a grinder. He's, he's found what it is. And it's difficult in a Zoom call, right? Who do you hear from? We watch what Holpe did with, with Miller on Saturday night, and then Holpe gets the call, and it seems like, okay, he's the veteran who goes, this is unacceptable. Uh, Jay Beagle was on the ice Saturday. Jay Beagle was one of those guys who could have said, no, we can't, we can't have this, guys. And even though I'm not a fighter, I'm going to run some people. And that didn't happen. I think Jay Beagle and his salary will always get the attention, and I think the finger pointing on him is fair. I mean, here's a guy who you should go, okay, at least we're going to lock it down. Uh, and that wasn't the case. You couldn't afford to make a mistake last night, and the first one was on him, losing the draw and then trying to do too much rather than go, hmm, Austin Matthews is the guy I'm up against. I, if I'm going to lose the draw, I'm not going to lose him. He did that. Yeah, but can you blame Jay Beagle for getting that money? No. But does he need to do more as not necessarily point-wise, but to go, hey, I'll step up and show you what we need to do to win? I think that's fair criticism. All right, 644, Todd Bertuzzi, join us just after 7 o'clock. Uh, what do we got coming up next there, Pear? It sounds like somebody's oh. up to their old tricks. Oh, uh, torts being torts. And did some guys in Florida, Florida men, come up with the ultimate Super Bowl scam those details. It could be BS. I know some of it's PS. That's head. 644, Sports at 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter. Sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS. Just PS. With Perry Solkowski. 
Well, that didn't take long. Patrick Laine, Columbus Blue Jackets, not happy with how you're playing. You're going to watch a lot of the hockey game last night with Ports behind the bench. It's what I feel I need to do. The the last thing I want to do is bench a player. Um, But as I answered your first question in all areas, uh, uh, quite honestly, both on and off the ice. Man, James, tell you what. Now, a lot of the Columbus players were going after the game. Ah, He'll figure it out. That's just towards the boy. That's pretty early on for your new star player to go, this is what it's going to be like and have Patrick Liney watch most of the hockey game in the back end. I talked to a scout who was uh, tracking that game last night, and he said it was, uh, Torts was totally in the wrong for this. He thought that Line A was invested, engaged in the play, and this was just simply Torts' ego at work, uh, that it was the wrong call. I, I hate it. I mean, you wonder why guys don't want to seem to stay there. I mean... Is it hard not to think? And I know that Torts has got his fans, but good God, you know, there's a reason why. If you're going to keep allowing this, good luck attracting talent. You don't think guys around the league see that? Well, that's it. It's it's kind of becoming a little bit too much about Torts, I think, in Columbus. Yes. And Yarmo might have to go down there and go play this guy because, you know, the Finnish, the, the Finnish GM, the Finnish superstar, they'll talk. Uh, P.S., in some language somewhere, Jurgen Klopp translates into ball buster. Listen to the Liverpool manager yesterday after the reporter asked him about trying to make up the ground. It seems insurmountable, and, and winning a Premier League, it's not going to happen this year. I really think you should be to prepare your job a little bit better, to be honest. Just how can you ask about that 13 points away, in my understanding? And this question about being becoming champion, how can you, do you really think that's an appropriate question in the moment? You have only two questions, and you and you waste one for that. No, your fault. You the second one was about possibly fighting for the top four. You had only two questions. <laughs> James, <laughs> you and I have both been there with a a coach oh or God. player who doesn't necessarily think what we have asked is good. Man, Jurgen is just busting this guy, and he has several times this year. You know, it's funny to think that now that Liverpool's dealt with adversity this season. Look at how salty Jurgen Klopp's become. Remember last mm-hmm. year, man, everybody just raved about his temperament. Uh, just always seemed to say the right things at the right time and the right moment. And this year, it's just like, you have two questions, you just ruined one. You know, you're an idiot. You're just, I'm just waiting for him to say, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Yes, that's exactly how it sounds. Uh, I don't know if this is PS or this is BS. Did a couple of buddies pull one over on a Super Bowl prop bet? We're going streaky! So the story circulating is a couple of friends, one a bar owner, laid down a $50,000 bet on whether or not there would be a streaker in the Super Bowl. The bet paid $378,000. They teamed up and said, okay, you go jump first, create the diversion, then I'm going past security, I will streak. And the story is it cost them $1,000 in fines, so they still make $378,000. Our Fed Todd Furman, who I will defer to on this, said, listen, I've seen it. I will not believe it until I find out. Give me the company or the offshore company that would have taken that kind of money on a bet where exactly something like this could happen. You can somehow manipulate it. Oh... 
Um, but you're, you're still in the plus after you paid the fine. Like just like, like yeah. I mean, I'm thinking it's like that guy who's been throwing all those parties uh, in that Vancouver condo, right? <laughs> you know. Yeah, to Furman's point, he doesn't think prop bets like this would accept a bet that big, right? Mm. It, it's kind of apparently off the board prior to Super Bowl. Someone had taped the national anthem the night before, so they figured here's how long it's going to run, and then all of a sudden they go, okay, we're getting too much action, we got to bail on this. So Furman doesn't think they would allow a fifty thousand dollar bet on something like this. Prop bets are for fun. But when you see big numbers, you wonder what it is. Yeah. So we'll see. Spider sense is uh, tingling. Exactly. And finally, P.S., maybe Major League Baseball doesn't like excitement. Another 2-2. Jumping off the bat to left field. That's gone. Against the winds. Trout with a two-run home run. Associated Press reporting balls won't fly as far this year. An independent lab has found that the new baseballs they'll play with this year will fly one to two feet shorter when they're hit over 375 feet. Apparently, a four-person committee of scientists were commissioned by Major League Baseball. It has something to do with the seams, why they don't want baseballs, why they don't want home runs, but apparently it'll fly now one to two feet shorter. But don't expect that many long balls. Not happy with the numbers of the past couple of years. That oh, was the old commercial from the 90s, right? Chicks dig the long ball. Yeah. That's it. No BS, just PS, everybody. Honestly, is that, is that a commercial that t- that that ages well now in, in today's? Uh, no, it was such a good commercial like twenty plus years ago, but now it's like, yeah, I don't know if that really holds up. No, I tell you, you could go back in time and see a lot of commercials. Go, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, just watch the Dukes of Hazard. See how that one aged, right? Yes. <laughs> Although, who thought that was a great idea to put a Confederate flag on a car forty years ago? <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway. Some things just don't hold up, boys and girls. Five minutes to 7 o'clock. The Canucks, another setback. The losing streak now stands at 5. We're going to talk to Todd Bertuzzi and get Big Bert's thoughts around the National Hockey League. How would he thrive, or how would he fare playing under John Tortorella? I'd love to find that out next, right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. And the game is over. The Vancouver Canucks have lost five games in a row. All of us want to win, and uh, I hate losing. Longtime loyal uh, fans of Canucks, they're telling me they're turning off the game in the third period. I've never seen it before. There's just no hope. These guys are here to break it all down. I've heard some rumblings about Yul Levy, but I don't know if that's true. But I have heard Gaudet and Vertanen's names out there, yes. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Seaball, man, why are so angry this is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. Two minutes after seven o'clock on a frosty Tuesday morning, Sabolski and Solkowski, hour number two. Todd Bertuzzi will join us uh, here in just a couple of moments as the Canucks fall again. Uh, better effort, but same old, same old. Uh, losing 3-1, the losing streak now at five straight games before they finally return home on Thursday to take on the Calgary Flames. Hey, Pear, just real quick, uh, some some news coming down here just in the last couple of minutes. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer, who won 200 regular season games with four different NFL teams, uh, he has passed away at the age of 77. Here was a fixture in the National Football League in the 1980s and the 1990s with some very good teams. Always felt like he couldn't win that big one, but man, he was a fixture for, you know, with the Cleveland Browns for some of those magical teams in the mid-80s and also with the Kansas City Chiefs in, uh, in the 1990s. 
Yeah, I had heard that he was sick, but um, yeah, that was a good football coach, good innovator, good offensive coach. Um, uh, losing him uh, at, at a young age um, with that, um, so not not positive news. I, you know, I I find this morning on our Dunbar line text, a uh, Dunbar lumber text line, and and even my attitude. And we'll see what the big man has to say as Bert will join us in a minute. It was easier to take last night because that might have been the first hockey game where I just didn't expect much from the Vancouver Canucks. And expectations are so different. And I think this fan base right now with this trip is just like, yeah, get this done. Yeah, it's the Leafs. Try harder. Be better. If you win, awesome. If you play better, that's okay. And now I just think, James, two days off, something Travis Green said they've never had this year. They get to practice. And I will judge them on the week ahead. What are you doing against Calgary? You're playing them four times. You went, went twice. I'm still wondering about you. Get three out of four. And I'll believe that you belong in that fight for that fourth playoff spot. But last night, expectations I found as low as any fan base we've had this year for a game. You know, but I, I would I would say this, and and there was the concern at the outset of this uh, of this show today that maybe apathy is starting to creep in with this fan base and listening to people say, "Ah, I turned off the TV before the game was over," and a lot of my buddies are doing the same thing. And, and to hear that, but you know, I would say this though, pair, since the season started. The engagement on our show every morning, tons and tons and tons of people flood our inbox every morning with their thoughts, their takes, their their grumblings, their passion, and that means that people still care. And we saw that last night where the Canucks given ish meter was turned up significantly. That after a lifeless performance on Saturday, you know, they stepped up. Look, they still lost, and yes, is there still a lot of room for improvement for sure? But they didn't quit. They didn't roll over and die. They came to play. They came to compete. And they had the Leafs on the ropes last night. The difference is one team is thriving right now and one team is struggling big time. And there was a difference in the hockey team and the hockey game because there was absolutely no margin for error. Todd Bertuzzi joins us here as he does on this Bertuzday each and every morning. You guys are getting a ton of snow out in your neck of the woods this morning, are you not? Uh, good morning. Yes, I just finished the uh, very good night game with a whole bunch of uh, gentlemen that I played hockey with in the past and all that over at uh, Sean Horkoff's house. So and, who's all playing? Uh, who's all playing in that shinny? Who's who's all playing in that right? shinny game? Uh, the great uh, Smolinski, Brian Smolinski. Wow. Uh, oh wow. Cleary. Yeah, Dan Cleary, uh, Sergey Samsonov, Sean Horkoff, wow. myself. Uh, who else do we have? Ryan Kessler. The great Ryan Kessler came out. Wow. Can he skate still? Uh, he just had his uh, second hip surgery. So he was basically just shuffling up the puck. But uh, Sean built this beautiful house in Birmingham, and we're going to try to get together. We made it a pact that we're going to try to get together every Monday and play uh, hockey starting at 6 o'clock just so we can get together and hang out and tell stories in it. Unfortunately, it ended up lasting till two in the morning, so we're all hurting a little bit right now. We're on a group chat, and we're not feeling very good right now. So, Bert, backyard rink—is that what it is? Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's actually a backyard rink, but it's like uh, it's almost a full rink. He uh, he he does have a zamboni. He did drive the zamboni, and uh, it's uh, one of the more spectacular backdoor rinks. Uh, that I've seen in a long time. The ice was incredible. Uh, the pace of play was very slow. The hands were all there. 
but the laughs yeah. were incredible. <laughs> you put on, you put a phone on an Instagram live and just let it sit there for two hours. You'd get 10,000 people watching you guys play. Hey, Perry, I, absolutely. The, the, the amount of fun stuff that I've seen, whatever, but it's just fun reminiscing and talking to the guys that, and we all live in the same area and all that. So we're trying to make it a pack. Hey, let's all get together once a week and uh, do this kind of things. Like during the summer, we all, we golf here and there and all that, but just to get everyone together and all that and tell the stories is, uh, inc- and the stories are incredible. Like we we're talking about the torts and liney thing. Is it going to work? And then I woke up this morning and I saw I got benched. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah. Hey, we, we touched, you know what? We, we were actually just saying a few minutes ago, I wonder how, how, how would you have played or fared under a guy like torts but what do you see like guys notice that around like I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of players around the league that would say i want no part of that situation in columbus because that's all it's going to be torts is going to sit there and embarrass me in front of somebody and in front of the team until i buy into what he's doing but like what do you make of that yeah see ball you know what i i, I would have i would have fared very well because i was growing up in the part where you respect your coaches. You don't have to like them, but you respect your coaches. And your, your coaches say you have to play a certain way. We were all robots back then. There was the odd renegade who didn't listen and, and went his own way and all that. But um, for the most part, we all listened to what our coaches had to say. I just think it's more of a player's league now where the players have more of the decision-making uh, and dictate a lot of what happens compared to the coaches, but you still have those coaches like Torts who says, uh-uh, that's not going to happen here. Well, a lot of people listen to what you have to say. Todd Bertuzzi joins Perry and James as he does every Tuesday. And you have told this fan base you did it last year in a tough time. Just said, relax. Do you still think that works at this point, considering where this team is and what they've done in the last week? Well, Perry, you know what? I've actually sat down and actually thought about this, and I knew we were going to discuss this, so I put some thought into it. Oh, thanks, um, man. Thank you. Well, Thank no, you, no, finally. You guys, <laughs> wor- you, you guys, no, you guys are actually worth it, and I actually put time on this one Aww. because it's a sensitive uh, subject for the fan base of Vancouver. That I, 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 We jumped the curve in the bubble as far as uh, being better than what, we all, what they all thought they were going to be. I think uh, as far as when you're developing a team and you're going through a transition point where you're, you're trying to become a playoff team consistently, I think during the bubble, I think it was, a, I'm not going to say misleading, but it was an opportunity that got the fan base um, uber excited uh, that the fact that their team was ahead of where they thought they were going to be. And I think we're just, I think everyone's realizing that Vancouver is still at that point to try to be a consistent playoff team. Uh, and, and that takes time. It takes, uh, it takes guys like, like it's not easy to be a team who's consistently making the playoffs and all that. And I just think that during the bubble, Vancouver got way ahead of the curve and it got the fan base and everyone excited saying, Oh, we're there already. But yet, no, you're still, you're still trying to build a team with consistency and all that. And I think that's what, everyone's going through right now it's a and and when you're when you're scuffling i mean you you look at a game like last night canucks are probably the better team out there for the vast majority of the game but when you're struggling it's isn't that the classic case that i'm sure you probably experienced where you're doing everything right but it takes 
you know, last night it was 11 seconds, and there's the difference between winning, you know, a team that is built to try to contend for a Stanley Cup like the Leafs and and a team like the Canucks that are still trying to figure out their identity. Well, a, 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 Seaball and Perry, we, we discussed this at, at length. We all thought that, wow, the Vancouver Canucks look really good in the bubble. It, it, but it was a situation where it, it, it was just like, it was almost like a tournament. And that, that team was built for a tournament. They were young, they were fast, and they had a whole bunch of really good depth parts. Uh, with unrestricted free agency, they lost a lot of those parts. But yet, I, I do know that they filled the holes with, with, with very high-quality NHL players and all that. But sometimes when uh, um, when you lose character guys that been through the battle and got your team to where it should be, it's a, a, a very tough adjustment. And I think more pressure is falling on Brock, uh, PD. And 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 bowl where they had older guys like Toffoli, uh, who's the defenseman that went to uh, Calgary? Sorry, uh, Tanev. Tanev. You you Tanif. had guys you had guys and you had voices who can step up and take that leadership role where the newer guys are coming in. They're trying to find their role and all that. It's not easy to come into a team that had success uh, that quick in the bubble and then try to match it and all that. It it takes time and all that and. I just think Vancouver's uh, with playing in the bubble and all that. They just they played so well that everyone's expectations got so high and all that. But then, if you sat back and really analyzed it, they were still in year three or four of this rebuild. Well, and they were a team when the regular season was going on that were still hit and miss whether they would be in the playoffs. Bert, I don't think Travis Green will allow this to happen. No coach can, but. You know, we had Kevin Bex on yesterday, and we were talking about the third period that the Canucks played on Saturday night. They're down by three, yeah. give a couple goals, and then did nothing. Didn't hit anybody, didn't want to confront anybody. Have you been on teams where, unfortunately, it's got to be the, the worst thing? They were almost comfortable with losing? Yeah, you know what? I, and I actually talked with Juice um, by he was on Hockey Night in Canada. I, I, only, I only get Hockey Night in Canada once in a blue moon over here so i don't get to see like berkey friedman all the guys who work and all that so uh, i actually got to, to actually watch and listen and i listened to what what juice was saying and in in all honesty i'm sure he took heat for what he said as far as being a very easy team to play against uh, i gotta say he's he's not inaccurate and travis will never accept that you don't want to be that team that's hey, this is an easy game. I can come in here, get a couple of points. I'm not even going to get hit. So it's going to be an easy game. That's the last thing you ever want. And Vancouver's never – the last time I think they had something like that was um, probably when Trevor came in and when Trevor was trying to build a foundation with that team. And then he took him to that team who had a lot of respect. And obviously with Marcus, Mo, Jovo, and all that, we brought him to another level. Then obviously with Kess – uh, Juice and the Twins, they brought it to a whole other level. So there's never been that kind of style of play or stigma that has ever been with that team for a long, long time. And uh, uh, after watching a couple of the games, I got to say it was it, it was um, it was it was a little bit hard to watch. Uh, but sometimes the truth hurts. And you're telling I always try to be optimistic and positive and all that kind of stuff because the last thing you want is an old hockey player ever uh, bashing 
players for their effort or whatever they do and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes you have to look in the mirror and say, okay, I don't, I'm not liking the way this is looking. And I can say that I don't, I'm not liking the way it's looking and I hope that it turns very quick and the guys get the message. Todd Bertuzzi here on Sportsnet 650. There's been a lot of discussion about all of us kind of channeling our uh, our inner psychologist here and trying to figure out the, the inner dynamic of this team. And, and JT Miller's name has come up a lot in terms of just seeming like a different player and, and also just his personality maybe impacting the room as well. And, I, you know, for a guy who wanted to step up and be more of a leader when he when he joined the Canucks, and he certainly showed that last year, but when you lose some of the voices like the existing leadership group, as you alluded to with Tanev, with Markstrom, when you have a personality that's somewhat abrasive to begin with, like JT Miller, who's kind of a let's go, let's go, that sort of, you know, that rah-rah, yeah. but at the same time, hey, step up. Does a voice yeah. like that sometimes run the risk of being too augmented when you don't have other voices to kind of balance that out with a young team? Like, Actually, have you, you ever know, had those instances? Good, yeah, no, that's a very good question because um, um, I think it was a lot different back when I played. Guys were more vocal, more outspoken. But the guys who are mo- most vocal and outspoken, they're the most competitive. Like Ed Jovanowski, without doubt, one of my favorite hockey players I've ever played with. I love the guy to death. He was one of the most outspoken, vocal players in the room that I've ever played with. But he he was spot on with everything that he said because all he wanted to do was win. He was trying to get the best out of everyone. Was it was it sometimes a little bit too much? No, I I I don't think so. Nowadays the guys would be fearful if Jovo ran in the room and started let's go, let's get this going or whatever. If Jovo <laughs> did what he did back in the day, the guys would be terrified. But I think there's a it's it, it's needed. You have to be able to have a voice, and that's why. I, I keep going back to back in the day and all that. Guys had voices, but guys always stepped up. Um, we were allowed to step up, physical. Like you, you can go out there and, and have a fight, and whether it's Brad May saying, "Hey, let's get going," you have to respect Brad May. He's going out there and fighting every tough guy who's six inches taller than him. Then you you had Matthias Olin who played hard each and every night, so everyone made an impact, but had a voice, and their voices were were. Um, very powerful in the room. It's hard to have a powerful voice if you're not playing that kind of style or that kind of hard and all that. And I think it's just an identity crisis that Vancouver's going through to try to find uh, the balance of trying to find that, like that firecracker to get them going. They, um, they haven't used it as an excuse. They've played about four or five more games than most teams in this Canadian division. I mean, it's been every second night, three and four to start. They just haven't had a rest. This is their first rest. Can it be too much? Coming out of the gate, dealing with the yard mentally, dealing with the new setup, can't use it as an excuse. But was this a brutal run for them for the last four weeks? Man, it's very hard to say because I'd rather play than practice. So I'm not going to use that excuse. I'd rather play games than practice. I don't want time off. I want to play games. Even if it's going bad, I'd rather play games because that's that's where you get the most passion and you get the most out of yourself is playing games. So the fact that they played more games than everyone, well, man, we you had time off. 
all you want to do as a kid. Do you know how many kids just want to play hockey? They just want to play hockey yeah. games. There's so many kids that are locked in their homes that aren't playing anywhere and all that. And I went through this with my son because he's over in Slovakia and he had a tough game the other day. I said, yo, dude, you're playing. You know how many people are sitting at home right now, not able to play, not fortuited the opportunity to play hockey? I said, treat this like this, this is your last run at it. Like enjoy the fact that you're playing hockey. So more games, the more merrier. I think that's an excuse. I always wanted to play more than I practiced. I hate practicing. It, it, I just didn't – it just what, – what are you going to get out of it? The only thing you get out of it is games. So that's why I, 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 I think that it's an excuse, and I would never use it. All you want to do is play hockey games. And, again, I'm going to go back to it. So many kids are without hockey and not playing in hockey, and I know all the minor hockey parents uh, can attest to this, that it, it's painful that our kids aren't allowed to go play hockey. So those kids that are playing hockey, take advantage of the freaking opportunity that you have right now because uh, there's many guys less fortunate that are playing hockey right now, so I think it's an excuse. Jake Vertanen's name's uh, out there as uh, possible trade bait, according to uh, our Sportsnet Hockey Insider, Elliot Friedman. Adam Gaudet might be a possibility out there as well, and even Ole Olevi. What's that like from a player's standpoint when your name's kind of out there publicly as uh, being on the block? Do you... Uh, depending well, on how it's going, do you welcome that, or is that just a total mind screw? Well, no, see, Paul, I'm going through it here. Uh, Manta is yeah. doing uh, got healthy, yeah. got healthy scratch, and um, whenever you build a team from scratch, everyone's available. It doesn't matter who who you are; everyone's available. How are you ever going to better your team? And it's I don't know. It's unfortunate. Like there's some people who love where they're at. There's some people just are looking for, I I think sometimes a new opportunity, a new fresh breath of air helps you out. And it seems like ever since I've been on this show, I don't know, what is it? Three years now. We've always talked about Jake and I've always been positive about him because I see the upside, like wherever he goes, if he goes to the right situation, he's going to end up doing great things. It's no different than when I was with the Islanders. I was with the Islanders. I still thought I was a great player there if I was given the opportunity to uh, flourish and be put in a good situation. The Islanders would have got a really good Todd Bertuzzi. But Mike Bilberry wasn't patient enough, and he ended up sending me to Vancouver where I came into a situation where I was like, oh, I took a deep, fresh breath there. I'm like, new opportunity, new challenge, new, new, new environment and all that. And then, boom. You just take off. So that's the risk you run with very high-talented players, which is Jake Bertanen. And I'm always... But it's seven I'm years, always, Bert. It's seven I, years with this I, kid, right? Yeah, well, hey, hey by, by the way, I was two and a half, so say two and a half, and then in Vancouver. So it was like year five where I actually started excelling and finding out the player I am. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. The problem is we're in a win basis right now. No one has patience for for any of these kids. And mind you, it's the, it's the other side. Sometimes you just have a bad hockey player. You draft a bad hockey player. Like you draft someone who is just never going to get it. doesn't matter whether he's given 20 minutes to be successful or whatever. But there's, it just doesn't happen. But there's always that one blue chip player that you're reluctant of getting rid of because you can't figure out why is he not getting it here. But if he goes somewhere else and takes off, you're like, then your fan base is all over you for trading you. 
Yeah, I would say with Jake, they've waited long enough. Uh, we got to go be a media member, subjective. Who was the MVP in your shinny game last night? Uh, I got to say, uh, I got to say Dan Cleary, who's very hard in his stick. He scored uh, the game winner in uh, two of the games, and he took a puck to the eye and should have had stitches, but instead of having stitches, he had a bourbon which dried out the cut. <laughs> so I got to say, Dan Cleary is without doubt the MVP. Are you still an effective player under the influence? Oh, yeah, very much so. Hey, you can't, <laughs> it's like riding a bike, man. You have to like, it's kind of funny. We all went out there. We're like, everything's a little bit slower, but, but, but the hockey sense is still there. You see guys making plays like we look like, okay, you still, you can still throw a little side saucer to someone cutting in or whatever. So, the guys have their hands still. They have their heart. They have the competitive edge. We're just a lot slower and a lot more sore. I had so I had some buddies who used to, we used to play shinny years and years ago, and you know half the guys we'd they'd go twist one up in the parking lot and they you know get out there on the ice or have a few before. And man, I tried it once. I was lost. Now I don't have hockey yeah. sense to begin with, but uh, yeah, I, <laughs> just trying to well, go out there. Like under the it's not like golf, right? It's not like golf where you just get better. ball. By the way, that's the difference. <laughs> and you know what? And if any kids are listening, it's not right what I did, but there's many times where I can say that I played guilty, but I, I, I played so well guilty. I was like, well, I can do anything. But you played guilty because you felt bad, but you played so hard. So th there, there were games where I probably stayed a little too late, but I remember coming to the room and I looked at everyone and I'm like, oh, I'm not letting these guys down. There's not a chance. I am going to go to the wall. And I'm guaranteed not going to have a beer the next day. And sure enough, I get a goal and assist. And what am I doing when I get into the room? I'm having another beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Full time Creature hockey. habit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take care, buddy. That, that looks awesome. I'm jealous seeing those pictures of that skate out there. It looks like a lot of fun. Uh, stay safe. And, uh, no, we'll I talk appreciate next our conversation every time. And uh, thanks for letting me showcase what I do out here in Michigan with all the guys and all that. And it's uh, great times. And uh, hopefully – Vancouver gets us on track quick, and you're and you're consistent playing, and you're and you're consistently playing guilty with us as well here this morning too. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. See you, buddy. Go take uh, a nap. <laughs> there he is, Todd Bertuzzi, uh, weighing in uh, with his thoughts of what ails the Canucks right now and uh, trying to uh, to turn it around. We'll dive into a little more of what Big Bird had to say. Uh, we'll also hit the music, get those submissions in. Your Canucks in a song, six fifty, six fifty, all still ahead, right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet six fifty. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Caught with his submission this morning, going with a little Bon Jovi, living on a prayer. Uh, Canucks are living on the edge of uh, losing this season rapidly. If this trend continues, now having dropped five straight, a road trip that started so promising pair with that victory over the Winnipeg Jets. And then the bottom fell out, losing five straight to the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And how about this? This season, the Vancouver Canucks are 1-7 and seven against Montreal and Toronto. 
Well, the good news is I think they've got about nine more games against them. I think Winnipeg has about 17. So if they're the two heavyweights, and we assume they are, and I've seen nothing not to suggest that, um, they're out of the way. And we're not halfway there. We're close. And I do – I put so much stock into the series we're going to see. If you can if you can be victorious in series against Calgary and Winnipeg coming up, you know, you're still in it. You're not going to get Montreal. You're not going to catch Toronto. Um, you're not as good as them. Plain and simple. Those two teams, I think, are legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. You are not. Um, but you need to be better. They were. And just last night was the first game, and I don't know if I'm like the fan base – I didn't expect much. I hoped for an effort. I got an effort, saw a mental letdown in 11 seconds, and they lose. But I kind of woke up this morning. I'm, I'm all right with that. You're a little bit better. So it's the expectation thing. And so much was expected of these guys, and they haven't been able to live up to it. Maybe as long as they keep high expectations, the fan base won't have to have this roller coaster ride if you just go, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're a top team just yet. Not quite ready for prime time. Here's Quinn Hughes on his thoughts of how things kind of played out last night in Toronto. You know, we have a competitive group. Guys want to win. No one likes to losing, including myself. Like, it sucks. And um, so you know that we're going to come out harder. And um, we have a lot of new pieces. You know, we lost some, you know, pretty good players last year. And we're just trying to figure it all together. And I think that we're going to get there. And- well, there's uh, there's Hughes and uh, kind of alluding to kind of publicly that, hey, look, I mean, losing Markstrom and Tanev is hurt, right? It has impacted this team way, way more than I think a lot of us anticipated. You know, uh, I think there was a sense, a genuine sense that this blue line was vastly improved with the additions of uh, to bring in the likes of Nate Schmidt. That felt like an upgrade over Chris Tanev. I think Nate Schmitz had a hard time adjusting to life as a Vancouver Canuck. You know, Braden Holtby and Thatcher Demko. They are not Jacob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko from last year. And that is abundantly clear. And the Stars haven't been good enough. quite. And, and that's been the narrative all season. Like, we're almost up to the 30% mark of this season now, Pear. Like, it's a chunk. Well, and, and of the new faces, the biggest change, the most surprising one has been the best upgrade. I think Holglander has been absolutely rock solid for this team and legitimately is a top six forward right now where they have him. But you're right. You you thought Nate Schmidt was an upgrade. He's figuring it out. You, uh, Travis Hamannick, you saw him for a handful of games and that's it. So you still don't know. And so you rely on Jordy Ben to be that guy and be kind of the anchor for Quinn Hughes, and, and you really just never expected that. So easy to make the conversation on paper and go, they should be better. And much like we wondered about the Montreal Canadiens, oh, all these changes, will they work automatically? And they did from the get-go, whereas we've seen the other result for the Vancouver Canucks. Hey, they make these changes, uh, and now they're trying to figure it out. And it's it's been a battle. They've tried to figure it out against the two best teams in the division. Now see if you, you know, and, and the flip side is, James, and I think we both agreed with what if Markstrom comes in here and just torches him and his lights out? Then I think a move is made. I, I think a move is made next week just almost to placate everybody going, and I don't know whether it's a management move, but I think something is done because the fear factor to fully brought to you, well, it reared its ugly head, and now the worst-case scenario would be Jacob Markstrom shutting the door on you guys in this next series. Well, I mean, there, there's nothing that leads you to believe that things will turn around based on, like, look at the numbers statistically right now are, are super gloomy. 
<laughs> like they are they are fugly. They have fallen out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down. But the Canucks sit right now fifth in the North Division, the Gord Downey Division, if you will. They've got 12 points in 16 games. The Oilers have two games in hand. They're two points in front of the Canucks. The Flames are a point behind the Canucks right now in the standings, but Calgary has five games in hand right now. You got the Jets, who are three points ahead of the Canucks in the standings. They've got five games in hand. The Leafs are now ten point or nine points clear of the Canucks. They've got three games in hand, and they sit atop the division. And even the Habs right now, they've got four games in hand, and they've got a six-point cushion. It is crazy the gap right now that has been formed already this season. The amount of games that the Canucks have played is staggering, but talk to Kevin BX about this yesterday, Pear. It's not an excuse. We just talked to Bert. There's another former player saying, I'd way rather play than practice. Well, they've played. They've played a lot. And the results, there's been no loser points. That's the other thing that's shocking. Think about yeah. that. They don't have a single loser point this year. Everything is a straight-up regulation. They've had one shootout, and that was a win over the Habs. But every other loss pair, all 10 losses this year, all in regulation. There's nothing you're going to be able to do and look at these numbers and turn them into a positive. There really isn't. You know, you honestly, you you could almost say that they've played maybe six good periods, right? A good period against Calgary, two good periods against Winnipeg, a couple good periods last night. I mean, it's really tough when you're saying find your identity and figure out the team you want to be. And yeah, they took a step forward with that yesterday, but it's been poor hockey. And now you get a couple days off. Practice and see what you can do against Calgary. Do you belong or do you not? Um, there's nothing to suggest they do. And as Bert said, so much emphasis put on the strange environment in the bubble, maybe too much, but I got to believe easier to take this team's effort last night than it is in what they've done in the previous 14 games. At least, at least they look like they wanted it. And you can say no one likes losing. We'll show it. And if that's with banging some bodies, like they did, everybody grinding it out, like they did, it's acceptable may not keep everybody employed, but I think it's acceptable from a fan base right now. I think you're kind of hitting a point where it's about time to turn the page here with Jim Benning. And look, I know Jim's got his detractors. He's also got his supporters in this market. But it feels like it's time. It feels like it's time where... And, and Jim Benning, hey, look, does he have warts? A hundred percent. No question about it. This is his team. It's on him. But he also did some wonderful things for this organization. This market has fallen in love with Elias Pettersson. This market has fallen in love with Quinn Hughes. Yeah, they're not having the seasons that I think everybody was hoping they'd have. But there's some good that he did for this organization. But the way that this roster is constructed, where it's at after seven years, you know, you've got one playoff series win. I mean, I guess two if you want to include the Minnesota Wild as well. Uh, play-in series, but, you know, seven years. That's a good run. That's a tremendous run in today's NHL to get seven years as a general manager in one city. Pair, it's tremendous. But you're right. These four games, and if it can tra- – like, I just don't know how long you can continue to sit there hemorrhaging 
goals the way they have and, and the way that this season is. But, you know, I don't know if they want to take on a high-level salary as well. You know, the sense might be just to ride it out, uh, you know, and at the end of the season, then you turn the page. But, you know, it's your mess. Work through it. It is what it is. And then you use the offseason to kind of work through where you want to go with this team going forward. Well, and and that's my my wonder. Uh, with trades being so difficult and the help, depending on where it's coming from, maybe delaying for, for two weeks. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois makes his debut, by the way, tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. Line has already been benched in Columbus, so everyone's feeling comfortable in their new respective homes. Um, I just wonder if Benning even makes that one move where they just say we're staying the course and then they make a managerial move. I'm almost at the point, James, even if this team did turn it around and and, and was able to uh, sneak into a playoff spot, if that doesn't still, uh, you know, that doesn't solidify Benning being here again. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. And I think judging them on what they've done in Montreal and Toronto is a little bit unfair. They've played a lot. But I do think it almost seems like there needs to be a change coming for the sake of change, and I don't think it's behind the bench. We'll see. Listen, this fan base two weeks ago after the game against Winnipeg, you believe it's there, then it falls apart. It looked a little better yesterday, but you uh, you don't want to fall this far behind in the pack and go, man, we've got so many warts, it's time to do some fixing. I don't think they spend the money and make the move during this regular season. I think we wait to what would be a dramatic offseason if if they decide to go that way. Uh, somebody texting in here on the uh, Dunbar-Lumber text line at 650-650. Perry, you sound like Tony Romo trying to sell a Kansas City comeback during the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, you have to. And wasn't that the case? You're going, it can't be this bad. I, You know, I, I'm not trying to sell it. I, I'm not surprised. I was the guy saying it It might be a step back. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just surprised. Were you? Were you? Were you thinking yeah, it was going to be a step back? Because I feel like I brought that up months ago, and it was like, no, 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 this team's great. There was a no, denial. No, no. I thought step back. And hey, Murph, Murph, and I will will be legit. I thought with the Travis Hamnick signing that hang on, maybe maybe they are actually going to be okay here. I haven't seen him play, and one guy hasn't been able to do it. I'm not sure. I'm I'm yeah. I'm trying to keep people interested, and we're early <laughs> in the second half. Although the schedule says we're not even at halftime. I'm trying. Keeping people interested. Uh. I'm trying. I like it. I like the, I like the effort. I like the fact you're bringing it. Uh, a lot of people bringing it musically. Your Canucks in a song, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. We're going to hit the music. The people have spoken. We'll get the vibes pumping next right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with Jim Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Oh, Jim and Ladner, savage, going with a Stones classic. It's all over now. He's writing them off at six and ten. Yeah, I mean that's been the challenge of people texting in on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Okay, I don't want to say too, you know, I don't want to get too negative with this team and Canucks in the song. That's where it feels a few people are going. 
Uh, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Get those submissions in. They've been flying in all morning long. Your Canucks in a song. I'm James Sabalski. He's Perry Solkowski. Your Canucks commute coming up at 8. We'll check in with uh, Sportsnet reporter Dan Murphy coming up in just a few minutes. Um, how about uh, David going with a little JoJo? Too little, too late. Better effort last night to close out the six-game road trip, but just not enough uh, as they come up short, falling 3-1. I don't know. Is there a belief that this team can't win, uh, and maybe because of the competition, winning streaks of three or four games are, are going to be tough to come by? Well, I, I mean, I, 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 right, yeah. it, it will be. I don't think you're rolling four times over Calgary. It felt like it was – it felt like it's been a roller coaster already, right? You lost five of six, then you win four straight, you lose five straight. Let's see what the clean sheet of ice looks like at home here for three against the Flames and then a fourth uh, on the road. But, hey, look, these next ten games, and and Scott Rintoul made a great point about this yesterday on on the Scott Rintoul Show, which you can catch weekdays at 9 a.m. here on Sportsnet 650, that, you know, we talked so much about getting a sense of what this team is in a 10-game block going on this road trip and then the Flames series. This Flames series and then what looms after actually lends for an opportunity for the Canucks to kind of get back into it. If if this team sure. is not as fraudulent as they look right now, but you've got the four against the Flames, then you've got four against the Jets with two in between with the Oilers. Like, there's your, there's your teams that are all battling it out for a playoff spot. I think it's fair to say that we're done with the Senators, but... Unfortunately, Vancouver's not far ahead of of Ottawa. So, if they want to try to right the ship, pair it's right in front of their face. Right? There's ten games well, and, and here, that, and and that's James. It. That's it. We we try and go. Well, you're going to have to be what six fifty to win winning percentage. No, you're not going to this year. If Montreal and Toronto are going to beat up on people, like we assume. And I think Winnipeg out in Pierre-Luc Dubois, I'm going to say the Jets are going to fit in that, sit in that third spot. Then it's these games against Edmonton and Calgary where that's it. There's your battle. you got four against Calgary. Okay, let's see what you can do. They've got five games in hand. Now you win three of the four. All of a sudden, they're looking at you going, okay, they got five in hand, but they're down by four points. So every series against Edmonton and Calgary are massive because that's who you likely will be chasing. Now, you got to pick up some wins. And your point earlier, when you don't have any – extra points and you don't take anything to overtime and OT losses are going to hurt you. But listen, it's terrible the start they've had, but if you can write the ship, the competition is right there. It's not like, Oh, we only got two games against them. Are you going to boatload? You got eight games against these teams, win six of them and you'll be okay. It's just, where's the belief that you can win six games against the teams? Uh, 650, 650, uh, Canucks in a song. Let's go to Peter, who uh, going with uh, one that uh, we bump a lot in the uh, our Honda Odyssey, courtesy of Surrey Honda, that the kids, uh, the girls just love listening to. It's a little Lizzo. This one is Truth Hurts. Oh, we've lost that one. We'll try to get back to it because the kids will be so I was all set for Lizzo. Here. I didn't know that one. You and, you and me I both. Okay. Uh, how about this one? I, I love this one here. Uh, Mike with his submission uh, playing to my heartstrings uh, with a little WWE theme, and that's the Mr. McMahon, Vince McMahon's ring entrance music. No chance in hell. No chance. No chance in hell. 
That was essentially, you know, life against the Habs and the Leafs. No chance in hell for the Canucks. Uh, find out if maybe there's no chance in hell against the Calgary Flames. They've already been shut out twice this year against, uh, or they got shut out once by the Flames, and they're 0 for 2 so far. Yeah, uh, I, I just don't know if we can take this hockey team. That Calgary game, memory serves, is that JT Miller's first game back. Um, they're... I hate to say this because the record doesn't show. There'll be a better hockey team starting Thursday. Whether that's good enough, I don't know. But I do think there'll be a belief there'll be a, a better hockey team. So there's many people this morning on the text line with their songs uh, saying, and yeah, I see a Shazowski. Text the text line, not me. Burning down the house. People are doing that, right? <laughs> I don't know yet. Let's, let's just say, I'm trying to stay calm. I'm trying to stay calm. Everyone's negative on the text line this morning. Well, Perry, here's some positivity for you because we found Lizzo. Here's Peter's re- request and dedication. Truth does hurt. Pretty good indictment of what this team really is. Uh, I know that I know this is probably one that pair. This was probably your jam in the car back in the day uh, when you were going around. But Don, with this submission here on the Dunbar Lumber text line at six fifty six fifty. This one from Howard Jones. And things can only get better. I think you've been taking that positivity with the series with the Flames looming here on Thursday. Yeah, because I didn't expect anything yesterday. I had zero expectations yesterday. Watched the Canucks game. Wasn't going to look on them. Wasn't going to bet on them. Just going to see what they do. And I thought, hey, good on you. At least you're trying. Now... Does that say the bar is so low, the standard was so low from my house? Uh, but it, the effort was there. They were better. Players thought they were better. Okay, now let's see what you can do come Thursday night. So, yeah, things can only get better, and I think they will. Will they be good enough? We'll see. Things can only get better on this show as Dan Murphy will join us on your Canucks commute next right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey, home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. It's pretty clear watching them play a team like the Habs and then a team like the Leafs on this road trip that they're just not in the same tier. Longtime loyal uh, fans, it's not. They're telling me they're turned off the game in the third period. I've never seen it before. There's just no hope. Honestly, I'm just shocked. I think we should fire Benning now. The Canuck Commute on the starting lineup. And if you're turning off the TV at 6.30 at night, like, what are you watching? What are you watching the news? Is anybody still watching? You know the what news? I? You know what I watched last night, and I uh, I left after two periods, cooked dinner, went back up and watched the third period. Then late last night, because we had so much hockey on, I actually went old school. I don't know how old it was. I watched a little bit of that ESPN thirty for thirty on uh, Tommy the Duke Morrison. Tommy Gunn. I forgot about how I forgot how big Tommy Gunn was. Like man, he was just he was a heavyweight with so much hype and. Man, he had some big, big wins. I mean, he was knocking people out. Uh, you know, he was Mike Tyson like there for a while. Well, he was the great white hope of the early nineties, right? And and then had the rub of the Rocky movie and also had the bloodline relation to John Wayne. I mean, my goodness, which they right? Question, he was the he was the great white he was the great white American dream. And uh, it all came crashing down. But 
No, he like you know he he had built out a pretty impressive record. I think it was merciless Ray Mercer who I think finally flattened yes. him and just wasn't quite ready for prime time. But but Tommy, yeah, I mean, and and you know what, and pulled it off pretty good in Rocky as well, right? I think it was Rocky Five. He was it was Rocky Five, and he already had a fairly impressive boxing resume. Yep. When he he got that shot, Frank Stallone actually saw him and said, "This kid's actually a pretty good fighter. I don't know if he can act." And then called Sylvester and said, and they put him in there, and then that was the launching pad. Okay, not only he's actually a legitimate fighter, he wasn't a bad actor in that scene either. Um, so then uh, he went on. So, yeah, I, uh, here, the fact is we got here by people saying they turned up the Canucks. I think yesterday was the first time where people were just tired, tired of this road trip, tired of the competition beating this team down, and said, okay, let's. I don't think you're winning. And we'll regroup on Thursday. And I think the Canucks said, no, we'll regroup on Monday. They did play good 40 minutes of hockey, as good as they probably played Winnipeg. Just needed some bounces, made some mistakes, and it paid for them. And now we see, to me, I'm not going to say the season starts on Thursday, but decision times begins on Thursday against Calgary. Well, I, I think it's – I think it's uh... – I think it's climbing the rock wall, the face of the chief, which starts on Thursday, right? You've dug yourself a deep hole now. You've got all these games um, that you've played, and you've got so many teams that all have tremendous amounts of games in hand, you know, anywhere between three to five with the rest of the North Division here. And so, yeah, you got at some point, like if you're serious about this, then you've got to start you know you need to start getting some w's and and a perfect opportunity against the flames some familiar faces should be an easy game to get up for right uh there i mean it's probably been the most natural rival for the vancouver canucks over the last quarter century or even longer the last 30 years for that matter but you know pair by the way we should mention um this is your Canucks commute here on Sportsnet 650, a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. There were some positives to take from last night, last night's game, but here's one that I it kind of drives me nuts here. And it's not just to be a hater pair, but I got a text in from my buddy Mike this morning. He said, you know, Really liked how Yo Levy played last night. Thought he played solid. And I heard this last night on the post game show as well. Like, hey, you know, uh, Yo Levy, and and you know what? Even Travis Green gave Yo Levy a pat on the back. Only Yo Levy played 12 minutes last night. He's a fifth overall pick in the NHL draft five years ago. And what has happened to this market to where we are now patting somebody on the back, a fifth overall selection, for playing 12 minutes? That should be the bare minimum. A fifth overall pick should be playing after being drafted five years ago, right? He's not playing 30 minutes out there. We're talking 12 freaking minutes. And it's like, hey, you know what? Yo, Levy, that's pretty good out there. 12 minutes, Perry. Like, what has become of this market to where we have accepted a fifth overall pick to have a solid night playing 12 minutes on the back end. You don't take a fifth overall pick to play 12 minutes. Yeah, but you don't don't put so much into where he was picked. Listen, the pick You was have made. to. Back, it's crippling for the franchise. Drafted, it doesn't mean you're automatically in the NHL. You know, we were talking about Nigel Dawes off the air yesterday. He's been in the KHL forever. Listen, he was at least in the lineup, played 12 minutes, and this is kind of his first year to make this team. Travis Green said, hey, played a little bit. Sometimes it's good for a kid to get up in the press box and see the mistakes. 
and he came in and he played well. What do you want him to play 22 minutes? Sure, if you can walk in and be that guy, but that's not his case. Has never been. So the fact that he contributed, the fact that the coach had confidence and said, hey, no mistakes, that's good. Maybe we will come around and go, hey, Oleo Levy, here he is. He's 25, and he just played 20 minutes. Like Your expectations have to be dropped down. You're always in there. Look where he was picked. Listen, some pan out, some don't. At least he was in the lineup yesterday and contributed. 12 minutes? What did you want, to play 22? <laughs> At some point, yes. Okay, so so same selection, same spot, Elias Pettersson. Where would this team be right now if Elias Pettersson was on that same sort of path and trajectory, right? If we well, thought this team was bad now, where would this team be? James, how often have we said, my goodness, we've been spoiled. You've got three guys who made it to the Calder Trophy nominations. One wins it. You're kidding me? It hasn't happened since the 60s in the Rangers. This whole team has been predicated on the fact that Besser, Pedersen, and Hughes are doing what is not normal. Olio Levy is probably more normal than those guys coming in and being NHL superstars where Ole goes, okay, I got to figure this thing out. Listen, Jake Vertanen maybe a little more normal. He's had too long. But going, yeah, they don't automatically come in and, and change your lineup. You hope, but that's really not the norm. So Bowen Byram, another top five pick. Taken three years after, and and look at look at how he's played. He's had one game this year where he played under twelve minutes. He played eleven minutes every other night. He's pretty much around fifteen, and he's played as much as twenty-one minutes. Like he's playing, and he's playing a significant role. And he was drafted three years after Yulevi. But right? you're picking guys who are going to be possibly Hall of Famers. That's like me going, you know, there's a guy who sings. I saw him in a bar. He's been doing this for 10 years. He's Canadian, yet the weekend is the guy who plays the Super Bowl. How did the weekend turn up? This guy's a Canadian rapper as well, and he's still playing clubs. Like, you all can't be treated equally. But, Some Perry, I'm not talking about a, something special. But I'm not talking about a seventh-round pick here, right? I'm not talking about an undrafted free agent signing that turned out that you might have something here. We're talking about a guy who was taken in the top five of the draft. That's my only issue with this. Let's bring in Dan Murphy here, uh, who has been watching it all unfold closely uh, all season long. Uh, morning, Murph. Good morning, lads. How goes it today? Oh, you know. I, I just, you know, look, I, I think the one thing uh, that kind of stood out watching this last night was... This team hasn't given up on the coaching staff. For people who kind of called for Travis Green's head or, you know, from a coaching standpoint, you know, I, I think if, if this team was lifeless last night, then you could make a case. But this team didn't quit last night. I like the response out there, even though they lost. You know, two observations, and I would agree with that. Uh, and two observations from last night. They, they lost that game in a way that they won many games last season you know um uh last season they'd get out chanced out shot you know outplayed and then opportunistically they would uh you know cash in a couple of their own chances and and win a game they probably shouldn't have and that's kind of what happened in the last night and they always say that when you're at the end of a losing streak sometimes you'll play some good games um and you'll still lose so you can bet that travis green is hoping uh that's the case now on the flip side you could look at it this way and, and this kind of reminded me back i'm like the Canucks of 2010 and 2011, they could mope around for a couple of periods like the Leafs did, 
perhaps because they didn't totally respect the team they were playing because they just waxed them a couple times in a row and then turned it on for a little bit in the third period and, and know you can escape with a victory. So that's kind of the way I looked at last night's game. I, you know, I think that they played much better. I think if you play like that, you're going to get results more often than not. Um, but again, I mean, the bottom line is that that's five consecutive losses. And, and really, we probably should have seen that game on Saturday night uh, and not on Monday night. And that's kind of the perplexing thing uh, to me because you know that they can play that way. Uh, you see it, more aggressive, uh, uh, you know, far, far more hard on the puck, um, winning puck battles. Their forecheck looked effective. Uh, and, you know, um, you know, perhaps they deserved a better fate. Uh, but uh, just like they said in the wire, deserve got nothing to do with it right now. So you got to somehow find a way to get some points now. I know we talk in the NHL Murph about leadership groups, but who is the leader of this team? If you have to single one guy out, is it the uh, captain? I would say um, yes. Um, it's you know it's 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 a lot more difficult to get a a feel and um, you know read of the room because we're not in there anymore. Right. Yeah. A lot of times when, you know, post game, you go in, you see who's there, you see who's going to talk, you see the way they answer questions. Um, and then you can get it. You can get a feel for it. It's so much different now with just getting a couple players offered via Zoom that, you know, we request. So I would, you know, most certainly say that that Bo is one of the leaders, uh, but there's different types of leaders. Right. He's not a super, super vocal guy. Um, and I would have said up until like uh, this season that JT Miller was probably the vocal guy in the room. Now I'm not sure what's happened there, and perhaps he still is, but sometimes if you're not playing the way you're preaching, you get tuned out a little bit. So um, you know, maybe that's the case right now, and, and I would, I would uh, venture to say that Braden Holtby uh, is starting to become a voice in the room too just because of what we saw on Saturday uh, mm-hmm. and just for the fact that the coach went back to him last night. So that would speak volumes about what the coach thinks in terms of his, you know, fire and desire and perhaps leadership capabilities. So I don't think there's a leadership vacuum. I wouldn't go that far. I, I think that there probably was a transition period um, from guys like Markstrom, who certainly was vocal, uh, whereas a guy like Tanev was not. But if you ever said something, they probably listened. So um, I, I think the captain still is very much there, but there are certain uh, types of leaders that do it, uh, you know, by example and other guys that are more vocal. So, uh, it, it's so difficult to get a read on that because we're just not around the players anymore. Dan Murphy here on Sportsnet 650. Quinn Hughes kind of alluded to that last night, and it, we haven't really heard too many of the players be that public about it, saying, you know, and he kind of alluded in the post-game comments where he said, you know, we we lost some key guys last year, Murph, and I think that clearly speaks that I, I think a lot of us in this market underestimated just the intangibles you know the sanctity of the room and just just the importance of their presence here on this team never mind just the on ice element but it sure feels like the impact off the ice as well well i think it compounds right i mean you start losing games and then you feel the other way too right if you're winning games you're not really uh you're talking about uh, the guys that have lost but they have uh, lost uh, so many games in such disheartening fashion that you start to look for reasons why and clearly that is one of them. But, I mean, you, know, you look at yourself now, you're 16 games in. It's time to turn the page. This is who you are. This is what you have. Um, and you can't be, you know, looking for excuses. But I, I think you can certainly say that it's a factor uh, on ice and off. Um, but I think that, you know, the on ice impact is probably where, what you should be worried about more 
than the off ice at this point in the season. Um, and, and certainly, you know, uh, you know, they're giving up one more goal per game than they did the last season. You know, that's maybe the Markstrom effect. Um, you know, they're giving them a lot more chances, uh, high danger chances, and maybe that's some of the TANF effect, uh, perhaps a stature or two. So, um, you know, there's, there's just so many different things that have snowballed into this losing streak uh, that it's hard to pinpoint one. But, I mean, I, I think you'd be naive to say that a losing, uh, you know, to Foley, Markstrom, TANF, stature isn't included in the big picture. I want to get back to what you mentioned about Holpe because James and I had a conversation. I, you know, I wonder if automatically it's Demko on Thursday. You know, all we can glean is what we hear from post game. But if, if I'm to speculate, Murphy, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but here's where I saw it playing out. Okay, he rips into JT Miller, uh, does it pretty obviously. JT Miller comes by, he's not thrilled with it, and maybe Holpe's going. You know what? No one's going to call you out on this team. I got a Stanley Cup ring. I'm going to let you know that's not acceptable. And thus, a maybe new leader is born because of a circumstance. Fair in that assessment? I think it's fair, but I think he was probably also super, in that moment, angry with himself for the way he gave the puck over. So it was two things. Ticked at himself for giving a, a grade-A chance to Austin Matthews, one of the worst guys in the league to give it to, uh, and ticked that his forward didn't provide a little more help on the back check and didn't seem like he uh, was committed to, to stopping him. So... Well, but yeah, I would definitely say that. Um, you know, I don't think Braden Holtby, I mean, he's such a stoic, seems like such a calm guy. Um, so I, I don't get the sense that he's yelling in the dressing room. Um, I don't think he's that type of player. But, uh, you know, when you when you see a moment like that on the ice, it's certainly jarring. Um, and it doesn't help when your team has lost whatever it was at the time, uh, three consecutive games in, in terrible fashion. And you're on Hockey Night in Canada in Toronto where there's probably six more cameras in an usual broadcast and everything's going to get caught. So again, there'll be snowballing effects, but I, I think you're right to read into, um, you know, Travis probably looking at a veteran guy that's had success to kind of grabbing the reins and trying to shake this team uh, up at this point to try to figure out how they can turn the old uh, Titanic around. Did you just call it a Titanic, Murph? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think they're trying to turn it around, get it back to port <laughs> before something happens. The unsinkable, the unsinkable. <laughs> and, and that's, I mean, Elliot Friedman was talking about this uh, yesterday on our on our sister station, um, Sportsnet 960, the fan. He, he kind of thought that Benning will get the year. Every every inclination, every every you know person that he's talked to, he seems to think that his understanding is that Benning mm-hmm. will at least get the season to work through it. A lot of speculation about who might be an heir apparent. They suggested on the Thirty One Thoughts podcast, your old buddy Bobby Lou. I that it doesn't make it. That doesn't make. I, I it's a unique thought to try to connect the dots on it, but it doesn't make any sense to me. How, how do you see it as somebody who spent the entire time around Luongo <laughs> here? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't think you'd have him as a general manager. Uh, yeah. You might have him uh, as an AGM, um, you know, and, but I mean, you have to look, uh, you know, how successful was, uh, you know, bringing in a former player to lead things and with a general manager when you did with Trevor, a guy that had uh, no experience. And I'm not saying that he did a terrible job, but I mean, they, they were trying to get the, re- they're trying to rebuild on the fly and then they went to a full-blown rebuild and then, there was friction, obviously, between uh, Jim and Trevor, and Trevor was gone. So I think ownership would be a little leery of bringing someone in to run the whole thing that doesn't have any experience. 
but I guess if you're bringing in a general manager to handle a lot of the duties and you brought in the Longo to more be the face to handle the day-to-day and the media and stuff like that, I could see something like that happening. I know ownership uh, loves Bobby Lou, but I mean, I think we're a ways off from that happening now. I, I absolutely think you have to find someone um, you know, um, we're we're kind of jumping ahead here because I don't think this ownership group wants to pay anyone anyway not to work right now. Uh, they certainly didn't want to pay anyone not to play. There was no uh, buyouts granted, uh, so I, I'm not going to I'm not shoveling dirt over Jim Benning right now. But if there is a succession plan, I would, uh, you know, I would bet that it would be someone that has experience uh, in the role of a general manager in the National Hockey League. Uh, Jim may have a card or two to play. If things don't go well in this Calgary series, do you think whether it's what he likes or not, we finally see a move made that Jake's package was someone we heard maybe a Godette, a Godette and a Jake for 10. It might bring you something back that can help this team immediately. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, clearly when guys like Elliot are hearing that, um, uh, players like Vertanen and Godet are available, and and Ulevi. I mean, certainly where there's smoke, there's fire, and uh, I, you know, I would, I would say that this team needs a little bit of a shakeup. I don't. Uh, I mean, obviously uh, Travis Green is culpable, and uh, when you lose five straight, but um, I don't think making a coaching change at this point is going to make any difference. And in fact, I think he fired the coach not now. It might fire up the market more, right? Uh, assessing blame in that in that fashion. So. Um, if you can somehow find a way to make a move to change a little bit of the personnel, uh, to give a little bit of a spark, then you, you do it that way. Um, but I mean, uh, you know, last night showed me at least the players weren't waiting for something to happen, you know, before it kind of seemed like they were waiting for something to happen. And last night, um, I don't think they played that way. So it'll be a very interesting, I mean, and, and nothing's off the table, uh, I bet, um, so uh, whether or not they get something done or make a trade in the most difficult time ever in the National Hockey League to try to make a trade, considering the flat cap and considering uh, quarantine rules and border rules and all this, uh, it'll be interesting to see if something can get done because it's uh, unprecedented times. It's probably more difficult than ever to, to make such a trade. Thanks, buddy. Um, are you still taking questions for your mailbag? I am, yes. Yeah. You still listen to Jerule? <laughs> if I ever really listen to Jerule in earnest. So um, I would say no on that. Okay. Uh, thanks, buddy. Nice to catch up. All right, boys. See you, Murph. There he is. Dan Murphy uh, weighing in on uh, what ails the Canucks right now and where things sit. And, uh, man, just, just a team that just – a franchise that just feels stuck – by the way, Andrew Walker with a great t- uh, tweet last night, pair, uh, or, or maybe one that <laughs> that doesn't really help much in the way of Vancouver, but Jake Vertanen, three goals and two assists in his last 35 games. Three goals and two assists? Yeah. Yeah, because he got up to a little bit of a – he had a run for two or three weeks where he was botting him. Shout yeah, out to I, Listen, I mean, yeah. the love affair has been so long with this guy. I just don't know. You know, Elliot had mentioned, you know, you mentioned Sam Bennett. Calgary's not making that deal. But Vertanen and Gaudet are two guys that would plug into NHL lineups, right? Third or fourth line, and maybe you see. I mean, he's a tantalizing guy. Maybe you just move for the sake of move. Clear that conversation, move it off the plate, and see what you get in return. You know, look, I mean, it's – the, the Vertanen for Bennett, you, you, we talked about this last week. You'd need more pieces to ultimately make it work um, yep. you, because Bennett is the more proven uh, commodity and also being the center that he is as well.
but it would check a glaring need for the future that, you know, you've got Adam Gaudet out there. I think you've seen enough from Gaudet to say one way or another that, okay, you know what, he's clearly not the answer as our third-line center for the future with this core, right? I mean, if you're if you're putting him on the well, block... I don't know if I've seen enough of him to say that. I mean, last year at this point, he impressed this team enough to say, you're not going to Utica, you deserve to be here. Yeah. Like, I, I, I can use more Adam Gaudet time to figure it out in these crazy circumstances. As a winger or as a center? Well, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. I I think they'll look He's, at him as a center. I mean, what are you gonna do yeah. when Sutter's gone? I I think so. I you mean, need I, you, I you need him to improve. Like he improved last year, he hasn't improved to the standard that they expected so far this year. He's gone off a cliff pair since the NHL came back with the return to play. He didn't have a single point in the playoffs last year, and he has looked underwhelming at best. And and you know, Godet's not a kid, right? Like. He's the same age as Vertan, and he's 24, right? Yeah, I mean, but a matter of NHL games played. Sure, I mean, and NHL games played limited, but I, I just wonder how many, how how much longer you're going to try to figure out what you got. I mean, I think his name's out there for a reason, right? I think that if you're willing to cut bait on somebody, you're obviously willing to move on because of, you know, <laughs> because of something. And I just don't think he's that guy that they look at right now as saying, we don't trust him to be a third line center for this franchise. And yeah, he can score and he might have a successful career as a, as a guy on the wing, but I don't think the Canucks are looking at that for Adam Goddard for the future. Well, you have to give up something to get something to help your team. So, you know, Maybe. they've, they've learned how to play with Adam Goddard in the press box. They know how to play with Jake for in the press box. So if those two combined brings you something that's not going to sit in the press box to me, that that's a win, right? Does Adam Goddard or Jake come back to rear their heads at some point and go, how do we give up with them? The one thing this organization will always say, specifically with Jake, man, how much longer were we supposed to wait? I think everyone's fine with that. All right, 25 minutes after uh, 8 o'clock. Here we go. Let's uh, look at the clock here. <laughs> Kids are running off to school. Uh, 25 minutes after 8, he's Perry Sokowski. I'm James Sobolski. Uh Todd Bertuzzi joined us bright and early this morning and weighed in with his thoughts on what he sees from the Canucks struggling right now. We'll hear from Big Bert. Plus, more of your submissions, a lot of them pouring in all morning long. And, man, I got to tell you, like there are some fun ones that you guys, despite all kind of the doom and gloom, your Canucks in a song submissions, they're off the chain here. I like what I'm seeing. We'll get to them next right here on your home of the Canucks Sports at 650. This is the starting lineup with Jim Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Your clothes, but no cigar. Oh, Daniel with his submission here. Close, nice but no find. cigar. Yeah, a little Weird Al Yankovic. Didn't know that existed. You're close, but no cigar. What's the scoop about him? I'm not sure. You know what, to be honest with you, and I was a huge Weird Al fan as a kid. Yeah. But was it maybe a, was it a, a reworking of cake, maybe? Or I'm not sure. Anyway, I like the call. Like the call, close but no cigar, which was kind of the story of the Canucks' life last night as they fall to the Toronto Maple Leafs. James Sabalski, Perry Selkowski here on the home stretch here of the starting lineup. Presentation of Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. Uh, Perry, we'll get to Todd Bertuzzi here and his reaction uh, to how things are kind of playing out for the Canucks here in just a moment. Um, a few other submissions. Uh, how about this one from Mike? A little frustrated from the knack. Frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. Do what you do, me 
Yeah, I think that kind of sums up how a lot of Canucks fans are right now. And as long as you keep a fan base frustrated, that's encouraging because you know they're still caring. Apathy is the danger, and if this trend continues, I do wonder if it starts to really set in for this franchise because we started hearing that from uh, from callers on the postgame show last night where guys are starting to turn off the TV. Well, this was easier to take than Saturday night. Saturday night, uh, hopefully we look back as, as the bottom for this hockey team because especially that third period when no one really seemed to care they were checked out. They weren't checked out yesterday. They made a couple of mistakes to good hockey players, lose the draw, it's in the back of the net, and then, you know, Quinn Hughes tries to do too much, an 11-second span, they're done. You know, whether Sheldon Keefe was just being gracious, he said, man, they were a better team than us and probably deserved a better fate in the Vancouver Canucks. But you're right. If, if the effort wasn't there, if uh, there was just a Monday trying to get on that plane and get out of there, then you don't have that passion. And a lot of people in their Canucks in the song are going, okay, like, we're all right with it. We're still going to believe in it. We'll see what they can do come Thursday night. Jay and Lady Smith, uh, he's going with a little Billy Talent, little CanCon with I Beg to Differ. When you feel so lost that you don't belong, well, I beg to differ. As time goes on, this will get better. I mean, you can only hope at some point this will get better, right? I mean, it can't get any worse when you've already in the first 16 games of the season, you've had a streak of losing five and six and then have followed that up by losing five in a row. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can't put together streaks like that <laughs> and think you are a playoff team. So it should get better. Um, and we'll see. I mean, the only thing we can go as far as positives is you know, that glimpse. I think everyone's hanging on to that glimpse that we saw. And I know we're going to hear from Bertuzzi in a moment. That glimpse that we saw in the summertime. That you know, for the most part, 90% of those guys are here. They know what they have to do. And they just get that, have to get back to that level. Uh, how about uh, Josh uh, going with a little Lincoln Park in the end? I tried so hard and got so far. Tough lessons for the Canucks to learn, that's for sure. Uh, East Van Tommy is going with a little old-school Alice Cooper, uh, who was also a big Coyotes fan. Uh, he's going with uh, the, the one word that really sums things up for the Canucks franchise right now. That's pain! Yeah. That was painful, again, especially with a much better effort last night by the team. I like the call to go back to Holtby and goal last night, Pear, but uh, in the end, it, it didn't matter because they still found themselves on the wrong side of a 3-1 loss as uh, the Leafs just needed 11 seconds, right, to flip the switch and boom, boom, just like that, back in the net, and there's the game. When your press conference is, we were better tonight, but you don't get any points, um, you, you've come back a long ways. And it was almost seemed acceptable tonight for Travis to say, yeah, I liked our game. I thought we were better. For 40 minutes, we were much better. Uh, we're trying to figure out identity, a hard team to play against, a lot of pressure, and we did that. That's great when you're rebuilding. But maybe that's what we have to realize. Okay, these guys aren't there yet. Maybe they still are in a rebuild mold. 
But I think for the most part, this fan base, and I think in that dressing room, they figured they were past this stage, but no, they've gone back. But maybe this is the two steps back, one step forward, right? One be- one step back, two steps forward. Maybe this is in season rather than the whole year. All right, Todd Bertuzzi joined us uh, bright and early this morning and kind of weighed in with his thoughts of where things sit for the Vancouver Canucks right now. And I think with having some time to digest the start of this season and the way things are going and how things kind of played out last summer, Big Bert suggesting that maybe, just maybe, we overestimated where this franchise actually is. We jumped the curve in the bubble as far as uh, being better than what we all, what they all thought they were going to be. I think uh, as far as when you're developing a team and you're going through a transition point where you're, you're trying to become a playoff team consistently, I think during the bubble, I think it was, a, I'm not going to say misleading, but it was an opportunity that got the fan base um, uber excited uh, that the fact that their team was ahead of where they thought they were going to be. And I think we're just, I think everyone's realizing that Vancouver is still at that point to try to be a consistent playoff team. Uh, and, and that takes time. It takes, uh, it takes guys like, it's not easy to be a team who's consistently making the playoffs and all that. And I just think that during the bubble, Vancouver got way ahead of the curve and it got the fan base and everyone excited saying, Oh, we're there already. But yet, no, you're still, you're still trying to build a team with consistency and all that. And I think that's what, everyone's going through right now it's a and and when you're when you're scuffling i mean you you look at a game like last night canucks are probably the better team out there for the vast majority of the game but when you're struggling it's isn't that the classic case that i'm sure you probably experienced where you're doing everything right but it takes you know last night it was 11 seconds and there's the difference between winning you know a team that is built to try to contend for a stanley cup like the leafs and and a team like the Canucks that are still trying to figure out their identity. Well, a, 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 a Seaball and Perry, we, we discussed this at, at length. We all thought that, wow, the Vancouver Canucks looked really good in the bubble. It, it, but it was a situation where it, it, it was just like, it was almost like a tournament. And that, that team was built for a tournament. They were young, they were fast, and they had a whole bunch of really good depth parts. Uh, with unrestricted free agency, they lost a lot of those parts. But yet, I, I do know that they filled the holes with, with, with very high-quality NHL players and all that. But sometimes when uh, um, when you lose character guys that been through the battle and got your team to where it should be, it's a, a, a very tough adjustment. And I think more pressure is falling on Brock, uh, PD, and, and, and Bowl, where... They had older guys like Toffoli. Uh, who's the defenseman that went to uh, Calgary? Sorry, uh, Tanev. Tanev. You you had guys. You had guys, and you had voices who can step up and take that leadership role. Where the newer guys are coming in, they're trying to find their role and all that. It's not easy to come into a team that had success uh, that quick in the bubble and then try to match it and all that. It, it takes time and all that. And I just think Vancouver's uh, with playing in the bubble and all that, they just, they played so well that everyone's expectations got so high and all that. But then if you sat back and really analyzed it, they were still in year three or four of this rebuild. 
Well, and they were a team when the regular season was going on that were still hit and miss whether they would be in the playoffs. Bert, I don't think Travis Green will allow this to happen. No coach can. But, you know, we had Kevin Bix on yesterday, and we were talking about the third period that the Canucks played on Saturday night. They're down by three, give a couple goals, and then did nothing. Didn't hit anybody, didn't want to confront anybody. Have you been on teams where, unfortunately, it's got to be the, the worst thing, they were almost comfortable with losing? Yeah, you know what? I, and I actually talked with Juice um, by he was on Hockey Night in Canada. I, I, only, I only get Hockey Night in Canada once in a blue moon over here, so I don't get to see, like, Berkey, Friedman, all the guys who work and all that. So I, I actually got to, to actually watch and listen, and I listened to what, what Juice was saying. And, and in all honesty, I'm sure he took heat for what he said as far as being – a very easy team to play against. Uh, I got to say he's, he's not inaccurate and Travis will never accept that. You don't want to be that team. that's, Hey, this is an easy game. I can come in here, get a couple of points. I'm not even going to get hit. So it's going to be an easy game. That's the last thing you ever want. And Vancouver's never, the last time I think they had something like that was um, probably when Trevor came in and when Trevor was trying to build a foundation with that team. And then he took him to that team who had a lot of respect. And obviously with Marcus, Mo, Jovo and all that, we brought it to another level. Then obviously with Kess, uh, Juice and the twins, they brought it to a whole nother level. So there's never been that kind of style of play or stigma that has ever been with that team for a long, long time. And uh, uh, after watching a couple of the games, I got to say it was, it, it was, um, it was it was a little bit hard to watch, uh, but sometimes the truth hurts, and you're telling. I always try to be optimistic and positive and all that kind of stuff because the last thing you want is an old hockey player ever uh, bashing uh, players for their effort or whatever they do and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes you have to look in the mirror and say, okay, I don't, I'm not liking the way this is looking. And I can say that I don't, I'm not liking the way it's looking and I hope that it turns very quick and the guys get the message. There's Todd Bertuzzi weighing in and giving a shout out to Lizzo. Truth hurts. There's two Lizzo references already this morning here, Bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? You, you, you know, we, we asked them the question about being easy to play against. You know, yesterday the Canucks were more of an identity and, and the guy who, really had the spotlight for the wrong reasons on him, and as their quiet leader is Alex Edler. You know, he's never the rah-rah guy, but, man, he was not good on Saturday night. And if you look at the hits, Alex Edler was hitting everything. He had seven hits yesterday. I think the closest rep was four on the other side, um, you know, for Toronto. But Edler was hitting bodies. Guys, were they out, hit the Leafs 31-21? Are they big, massive hits? No, but they made them aware that they're there. Like, here we are. We're ready to play against you. Uh, and that's all you really need. I don't. You look at this lineup. You're not going to have pugilist out there dropping the gloves. But at least confront some people. Hit them. Make them pay the price. And at least they did that. And not surprisingly, Alex Sedler was the guy leading the way for them yesterday. 844, the Scott Rintoul Show coming your way at 9 o'clock. Canucks back at it on Thursday in a huge opening four-game series against the Calgary Flames. Uh, We'll look ahead to that as well. Uh, More cancellations in the NHL or postponements as COVID continues to be a thorn in the NHL side. That's next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. When you're chewing on life's gristle, back! 
This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. I think we could all probably go down that road. Eh? What do you think, Bear? No, nothing wrong with that, right? You know, that's, that's exactly it. That's the positivity we need, not only when talking with the Canucks, but dealing with what we are. Uh, Nielsen, uh, shout out to Nielsen, uh, who had that uh, submission in this morning on the uh, Dunbar Lumber text line at 6.50. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski with you. Uh, the Scott Ritual Show coming your way at the top of the hour. Uh, news out of the National Hockey League. Uh, Pierre Lebrun, hockey insider from The Athletic, uh, reporting that it looks like Ron Hextall is the front runner to take over as general manager with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Think about think about that. Is this payback after Yarmir Yager all those years in Pittsburgh went to Philadelphia and then the Penguins figure, oh, after all those years and with the Flyers, let's go hire a former Flyer and make him the boss in Pittsburgh? Ron Hextel's got a great resume as far as he management. Does, right? He's yeah. been around for a while. Uh, don't mind that move, and I think it was a coveted position. Right now, you just have to figure out, so what are the pens? Are they Stanley Cup contenders, and they're going to keep on tweaking? Because that seems to be the issue that Rutherford had. Or do you go in there and go, okay, what can we build from? When you're as successful as they were for the past decade, you don't have a lot of great picks that you're dealing with, and it might be a while before you're you're picking someone who's going to change it, but you had your run with Sid. I still think it's still there for them. If they tweak it, that they can still, you know, get on the roll at the right time. Not not a done deal just yet, but it does sound like he is indeed the, the front runner there. Uh, Caps and Flyers, that has been postponed tonight. Now 34 games on the season have been uh, postponed because of COVID protocol here, Pear. Yeah, uh, and always the American teams, not surprised, um, but it's just a matter of how long will it go. I mean... The Super Bowl on Sunday, they got there. wasn't pretty. They played games on every night, even played a Wednesday game in the NFL. And I just wonder if at some point the NHL, they know they have a little bit of breathing room. I think they had about two weeks built in that teams are going to be playing an awful lot of hockey games. Um, you have these postponements. I just wonder if they we're going to be playing hockey a little farther along than they had hoped because of the COVID protocol, but it just seems it's, it's always happening. And, you know, we want to look at our bets tonight. Las Vegas finally gets to play hockey again. Mm-hmm. And you want to pick today. I'll, I'll take Vegas has only lost once finally gets to play again today. So uh, it's, it's just a, a strange situation. The Canucks dealt with it in the first game with, with Miller and Ben, but um, you know, some, some people suggesting maybe that's what the Canucks need to have a little bit of a break in their schedule. I don't think it's well, going to happen here with the well, Canadian teams. The only thing that makes me a little nervous with Vegas is, you know, was the momentum derailed at all, right? When you've gone a little ways, uh, but they obviously, I mean, their, their record certainly says they are built for this season. They are built to win, but I do wonder if this kind of takes away a little bit of their momentum after having to take a little pause, right? Well, I would say this, I think the momentum from a fan base, right? You know, they, they were just, they were the show. And I'm sure they will be again, but you had built that really good hockey team. Everyone was ignited. Everyone was a Knights fan. And, and then you take that away. So uh, I, I like their hockey team. You're right. It's a startup again, but Dallas waited forever to start. And they came flying out of the gates, maybe coming back down to earth a little bit. 
but uh, I like that Vegas team tonight. What do you got? Uh, uh, you know what? I'm going to take the Panthers, and it looks like uh, Chris Dreger is going to probably get the start uh, tonight for the Panthers, who has been the much better goaltender compared to Sergei Bobrovsky. You know, you committed, all, what, $10 million a year to Bobrovsky, and he's got a save percentage that is floating around the 860s right now, where Dreger is 937 at the moment. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Ride the hot hand, but man, that's a lot of money you've committed to a guy who has been nothing short of a clunker thus far, and you've got under contract for another five years after this pair at ten million dollars on an AAV. Well, they have their goaltending executive committee to make that decision, which Roberto Luongo is part of. He was part of our poll question. At some point, do you think Roberto Luongo will be a part of Canucks management? Over a thousand people, almost eleven hundred people in on this one. 57% James think Roberta will be back with this team at some point. They would like to see it happen. 43 say not so sure. Yeah. He'll he'll manage a team in the NHL just don't know if it'll be the Vancouver Just Canucks. not That'll here. Just team. not here. Hard pass for now. Go get some experience before we talk about bringing Bobby Lou to work for this team again. We got to get out of here. Scotty's up next. He'll take it from here. We're back at it same bad time, same bad channel right here on Wednesday on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.